used to live so close to it And we were scared and we were beautiful And when I peered over the edge and seen death That we are always the same special as a little treat for taking a week off and we do uh we're going to catch up on the big wrestlemania weekend and uh, in honor of our special guest this week we are the est of iwtv um with quentin how are you doing tonight yes i specifically am the est of iwtv i'm very good yes i'm very good tim how are you i'm doing fantastic and our special guest daniel makabe um dan how are you doing tonight I'm doing good, but wouldn't the EST of IWTV be the IWTV Independent Champion? So shouldn't Lee Moriarty be on the show this week? Is it, uh, isn't that... I mean, no? I don't know if you saw his weekend. I don't know if he really performed he, up to that level. He had a better weekend than I did, but but still. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, of course, happy to be here and talking about all sorts of wrestling with you guys. Some that I... Uh, was lucky enough to witness live or be a part of live and and some of it that i uh went back and watched on streaming services afterwards but yeah uh yeah it was a it was a fun weekend and i'm i'm ready to talk all about it so yeah well i mean i guess you still are the the reigning uh sci (laughs) champion right at this point technically as they said over the weekend multiple times or now yes i'm still technically the uh the reigning sci champion we'll see We'll see what happens come uh, August this year. They did announce the other night that uh, SCI 2021 is happening in Chattanooga. So hopefully I can be a part of it. We will see. Uh, That kind of remains to be seen. But uh, yeah. Yeah. As of right now, I think there's two competitors that have been announced. Yeah, no, uh, no, Nolan Edward and Jeremy Wyatt, which was a really good get. Uh, Jeremy Wyatt, like I'm like, oh shit, like kind of like a finally thing. I was like, oh, like finally the guy (laughs) Jeremy Wyatt. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's a that's a good one for him. He's never I don't think he's ever wrestled in Chattanooga, so I think his um I think his style will will get over really well well down there. I think he'll he'll do just yeah. fine. So Yeah, definitely similar to you in that regard, I think. 
he will uh, he'll get over with the people there. Um, I think because they appreciate you know people who are really good wrestlers. So yep. Um, so anyways, I guess we'll get into the weekend somewhat. I don't really even know what we want to do. Quentin, what do you think? What uh, how do you want to steer this ship as we talk about WrestleMania weekend? Uh, you know, like I guess like let's let's, let's be upfront here. Like I'm not, I'm did anyone watch any any WWE stuff? This weekend, besides me, I guess, that I didn't watch that stuff. I watched Bianca Belair versus Sasha. Um, I think I watched some of the NXT, but nothing stands out in my memory that I feel like talking about, really. Um, that's about it for WWE stuff. Oh, I did watch the um, Triple Threat. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, and, uh, and Edge. But that was, yeah, I just saw the main... Oh, I did, I saw The Fiend, too. That was oh, ob- obviously, yes. <laughs> Yes, I uh, I watched night one live. I was still in Florida uh, that day, um, so I watched it on on Peacock in our Airbnb. Uh, and then night two, I didn't watch until I got home a couple days ago. So, uh, so yeah, I've seen both nights of WrestleMania. Um, I saw a couple NXT matches. I saw the uh, Io Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez, and the three way tag from night one uh nothing from night two uh and then i don't know if it counts but i did watch the walter versus uh rampage brown match from nxt uk that that happened on the the thursday night as well that people forgot about that yeah that match was that match was really good actually um i haven't watched the champa match though that some people are saying is the best match of the weekend so um but but oh, I thought I thought I thought Night One of Mania was was a uh, a really easy watch like a really fun, just kind of breezy, uh, show and and that main event was, uh, for my money probably, you know top three match of the weekend um, maybe maybe number one honestly it was um, you know besides all the all the um, you know obviously there's some serious significance to that match getting to main event but uh, I thought the two of them knocked it out of the park so. Yeah, I guess that's gonna be my question. I didn't know because um, I have some, um, we have we have some friends that uh, are really big onto the night two main event as well. So I was gonna ask you guys which one of the two main two two mania main events that you prefer. And uh, sounds like Dan preferred uh, the Sasha Bianca Belair match. Uh, I think I I, pro- I probably preferred it as well too. Uh, Tim, do you have any preference on the two main events? Uh, it's always tough for me in this stuff right yeah because of just how much i don't get into wwe stuff but i have to say that i i'm with you guys the night one was better to me um part of that is just because it's a cleaner it's just a straight up singles match it didn't really have any bullshit on top of like the significance and the investment and i mean you quentin you can talk about it better than you know than i can really but the sasha banks thing is i mean i'm really invested in her uh, from the from the beginning, I you know was watching her very early on. You know, Mercedes MV. Like I saw her matches in Beyond before she was signed to WWE. Even you know, I, it wasn't like I was like, oh, I thought she was great or anything. But it was like, oh, I've seen her before. You know what I mean? And then she shows up, and it, so from the beginning, I've been invested in her. So to then see, not just on the biggest stage of it all, not just main eventing, but also against Bianca, who's another one who, as soon as she showed up in, in NXT, was another one of the people that I was into pretty much from the jump. I always was like, she does this. I remember reviewing her early matches and saying, like, 
okay, they love to get the, the girls in NXT and say, like, oh, you can do these athletic things, let's force these into your matches, even though they don't make sense, because you're a gymnast, or you do this or that, and she was always the best at actually doing this stuff and making it make sense in a wrestling context from the beginning, which was really impressive. And to see where that's come from there to this was, yeah, it was, it was emotional. On top of the match being executed perfectly, the storyline being great. Like, so yeah, to me, it was a hands down better match for all of that. And in a context like a big WrestleMania where I'm getting the sensory overload of just not really loving the presentation, uh, when it's a little bit cleaner that way and I'm a little bit more emotionally invested, I'm going to think it's a better match overall, no matter what. Uh, I think the, um, the main thing, and I've, I mean, I talked about it with, like, the Dan Bryan and Kofi and, like, and eventually, like, the kind of, like, so we talked about what GCW, the last show we did. Like, I'm not going to get into, like, the whole idea of, like, oh, this is the first time two black women have man-evented the WrestleMania. Like, for some people, that matters. Like, for me, it's like, eh, I feel like probably we're kind of, like, using these things to kind of, like, give, give passes and act like things are better. But I think the most interesting thing for me outside of, uh, Outside, outside of that, was uh, like the greatest, the greatest wrestler ever project on PWO kicked off, uh, coincided with WrestleMania weekend, and immediately after this, you have Sasha in this big main event, a spot in which is more than well deserved, and you could argue that she should have been in the spot a while ago. That immediately after, it's like, dang, Sasha really is like an all-time great wrestler just if like just, just like just based off like the WWE vacuum that she's in and I was like oh man like that was like the main thing I took I took away that we look at uh all these uh different wrestlers and not uh not keeping it just in the realms of of, of being women but Sasha solidifying herself as maybe the big match worker of her generation I was like oh man she like did it in this spot too and to see that coinciding with this project kicking back off again is like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure Sasha could have uh, left left a better mark over the weekend than than doing than doing that. Yeah, I mean that's a good point, and I think it's overlooked because up until this point, I think the WWE context like big match workers, the people who get the like the praise for being this person is a you know really turns it on in a big match setting are the consistency freaks are the people who are doing the big matches night after night i mean you could go all the way back to bruno and it might not be like a work rate thing necessarily um but it is like the guy who's super consistent and constantly in the big matches and then you go all the way through and like the the more current ones like someone like john cena even compare it to someone like bret hart the people who get the titles for being the big match turn it on wrestlers in wwe are people who have tons of big matches because they get put in that situation over and over again so i think it is pretty easy to not realize and not notice that sasha is in that same mold because she doesn't fit that part of the narrative she's unfortunately gets injured she doesn't get as many chances at the top because of just the way that wwe books at this point on top of the way wwe books women so i do think that it's probably overlooked just how quality she is as a big match worker because that paradigm in wwe she doesn't necessarily completely fit all that all that all that being said getting to wwe at the way uh dan busy week busy busy weekend for you uh you do doing doing your own work over wrestle over wrestlemania weekend um a bit weird you were someone that was part that was part of uh the 
a group of group of shows in October, in October last year. Um, so, how did it feel to go from well, what that situation was over in uh, in Indianapolis over in October to the scale in which we were operating here at uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, last week? Um. Hmm. Good. Hmm. Good question. Uh, I mean, Indiana was, you know, it was a it was a bigger building. It was a you know a bigger crowd, maybe a little bit more eyeballs on the situation, um, because that was the only kind of game in town that weekend. Um, and it was you know a big match versus Lee Moriarty, which um, you know was kind of uh, you know a dream for for lack of a better better words. Although well, that's not to say that you know the the main reason why I found myself in Tampa was because the opportunity presented myself to finally have the the one-on-one match with Eric Royal that has previously been, been canceled twice the past two WrestleMania weekends. So, um, you know, there was some similarities in that, that, you know, there were kind of big driving forces to get me there, but um, the actual kind of situations were, were different. Um, I think... Um, I mean, the one nice kind of change was, you know, Indiana, I only had the one match, which was a, a bit disappointing. Um, whereas, you know, here I found myself with, uh, you know, on paper, four matches uh, over the course of three days. You know, it ended up only being three matches uh, due to some unfortunate circumstances, but uh, but still, you know, made the most out of the trip. Um, you know, all three matches are available on IWTV. Um, and I'm, you know, relatively happy with, with how they all turned out. Um, and so, you know, I can't really, really complain. And, and honestly, it was just nice to be able to scratch the itch because I, I haven't been in a wrestling ring since October 31st until I stepped foot on April 8th for that first match versus Jaden. I hadn't been in a wrestling ring since October, um, because, um, just the way things work up here in British Columbia. Um, things have been closed since then uh, and, and haven't reopened. And, and to be honest, like our, our numbers um, like are the worst they've been this entire time. We've got the highest rates uh, of COVID right now in British Columbia. I think because people are just kind of fed up of, of, it, of yeah. it and, and don't want to wait around anymore. But at the same time, we are uh, our rollout of of the um, of um, why am I uh, my brain is failing right now? Uh, yeah, the, the vaccine rollout has been been pretty bad here, um, really slow, and so I think everyone up here is sort of seeing that you know the United States is moving so much quicker and and returning to regular life, whether they should be or not. Um, and people here are just sort of going, well, I want to do that too. And, and maybe just a little premature in doing so. So, uh, so no wrestling up here in, in BC. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's been tough. Uh, so, you know, I, I felt the need to just kind of scratch the itch, but, um, but I also haven't been able to train and, uh, and really kind of keep up with it. And I think, you know, that's kind of one takeaway I have that, that I'm a little disappointed with is, is that. Uh, it wasn't my best best showing in Florida. Um, 
you know, not that I, I think all three matches I had were good, um, but they weren't maybe to the, the tippy top of my ability. Um, but you know, what's done is done and, and I can't go back now. And I'm, I'm very happy that I went because I know if I had been at home watching, watching along, I would have been pretty, pretty upset. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how accurate cage cage match is obviously. And like, you can uh, be, be, be able to attest to this, but it seems, but it seems like between like your, uh, your PC, your PCW, uh, stuff in the beginning of 2020 and then the Lee Moriarty match and then coming all the way here to 2021 WrestleMania weekend, it was the Lee Moriarty match the only well, like the only other match you had after that PCW run. I had one match here in BC on like a secret uh, show that we ran uh, for uh, the local training school, the Lionsgate okay. Dojo, which is run by um, Artemis Spencer and Nicole Matthews, Tony Baroni. Um, we had a we had a show up here on Halloween. Uh, for some of the local students, and so I worked a, a local BC kid named Miles Deville, uh, who has made some appearances on ECCW shows and on Without a Cause shows, and uh, we had a, a fun little ten minute match on Halloween. And yeah, other than that, and the match with Lee Moriarty, I haven't worked regularly since uh, yeah last March when I was over in England for PCW. Yeah, I, I I can't I can't I can't imagine like how rough it is. Just not just from a, a ring, uh, possible ring rust perspective, but like shit, like you gyms gyms are closed down. Like I'm not sure. Have you like I'm not sure um how much routine how, how much routine uh, you follow. Like I guess in terms of like your own uh workouts outside of being in a wrestling ring. But uh, was there any kind of like uh I guess uh different fa- different factors like uh fatigue or anything that you didn't that you didn't expect uh going into WrestleMania weekend uh yeah uh, I mean you know it, it's funny gyms are actually open really? here wrestling gyms wrestling gyms closed any kind of contact sports closed actual gyms are open uh and I found myself going to the gym more than I had in like ever honestly you know for about the six weeks leading up I was in the gym for four or five days a week. Um, and that was going well, I thought. Um, but full admission, I mean, I, you know, I put on probably a good 20, 25 pounds over the pandemic. Um, and I did not work those off like I, I thought I I would. And, th- or and, th- had. and, then, and then like and then ring shape is different than like regular workout shape. And a one hundred percent is because I was I was doing my share of of you know cardio at, at the gym, uh, and it's not until you know I got back in the ring and, and you actually have the give and take and the, and the physicalness of of an actual opponent in there with you that it uh, kind of uh, came to me that like yeah I am not in the shape that I need to be in and so. Uh, I don't know how obvious it was, but there were definitely times in there where I was I was pretty, pretty tired, and I'm pretty good at just kind of pushing through. Uh, but it uh, it did affect my performances for sure, um, and so yeah, all I can do is is improve for when when I'm uh, I'm back in a more regular setting, 
and uh, and trying to try and build off of this. So, you got anything there, Tim? Uh, hmm. <laughs> Let me think. Um, yeah, I don't. I. I mean, I'm not sure. I guess. I guess seeing as we're not going to review the entire show um, for the night one of the IWTV re- family reunion, maybe we could just talk about your match if there was any notes that you wanted to mention. You have you actually gone back and rewatched it? Yeah, I, I watched. Yeah, because we are not watching either of the family reunion stuff. We're not talking about those today. I didn't. I didn't think so. So I no. had the singles match versus Jaden. Jane Newman on the part one, and then I was part of the eight man tag uh, on part two, um, yes. and I've I've watched both of those, um, and I thought both matches were good. Um, the uh, the Jane match was was just kind of a short undercard match, like eight nine minutes. Um, I thought we told a decent story as far as you know me me being rusty, uh, and uh, there was some some fun exchanges in there a um, couple things that I had uh, hadn't done in a while or, or busted out new like uh, I haven't done a tiger driver in, in over 10 years but I just felt like incorporating that into into my moveset so um, yeah re- relatively happy with how that one went um, and I, I, I think we've got a better match in us though for sure um, I would love to run it back uh, ideally in Chattanooga um, where he's kind of the you know the hometown favorite, and uh, maybe we can have a little bit more time and uh, have more of a of a main event or an upper card style match. I think that would uh, would do us justice. But um, but for you know first time locking up with one another, uh, yeah, I I was relatively happy with that one. Yeah, it was an interesting story playing off the uh, <laughs> the ear stuff and hearing and this is maybe something that. Uh, I wanted to mention, I don't even remember what match it was in particular. Actually, I think I just remembered what match it was in particular. Um, but uh, but the commentary kind of putting over the equilibrium and playing off of the ear injury from the SCI victory. And it is like that's like two years ago. So it's kind of funny to be calling back and saying that you're working over something from so long ago or maybe even just referencing it. But it makes sense because like, yeah, Jaden was in a tur- in a tournament, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Or at least on the, at least yeah, on those. Yeah, at least he was at least in the building. Yeah, like so. No, he 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 went out. He lost first round to AC Mac, and uh, and of course I defeated AC yeah. Mac in the in the finals. That so. was saying like yeah. so there was there was a little bit of a nod to that, and and honestly, you know, the whole ear thing was you know supposed to be it was inadvertent, you know, so he was right. targeting targeting my neck. And uh, it just kind of was a flash thing where he threw a punch, and, and as I turned into him, uh, I ate it upside the ear, right? So, um, yeah, it was just kind of a happenstance kind of thing. That was the idea. And, and the fact that Matt was representing SCI right. and, and was sponsored by SCI, yeah. we just, I thought it was, you know, just kind of a, a cute little nod to, you know, to build off and, and just something to build heat around. So, yeah, and, and I like, you know, I. I liked the 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 bloody ma- mouth situation and how that felt like it really played into it. I mean, you you being rusty, you being thrown off your game, and having the equilibrium knocked out, plus you're bleeding out of the mouth. I think really put over that story. Um, maybe that's a happy accident situation, but I did think that it helped uh, 
it helped put that that story made it come across even a little bit better so uh but yeah the little the little detail as as i see people throwing barbs around about issues with commentary is uh just that i would say the the only issue that i ever have with dylan commentary and it worked here in this match but it did feel a little bit like pushing the envelope is sometimes the stuff just gets a like he does such a good job of telling some stories that sometimes what's happening in the ring doesn't feel like it's actually telling as good of a story as the story that dylan's telling where i feel like sometimes like i said not in this match but in other cases i'm like i want to see the match that dylan's calling because i'm not actually watching the match that he's calling um and that's kind of like an issue that i have like he's calling a better match than what's actually happening um, so that's a <laughs> that's a weird weakness to say that a commentator's so good that sometimes they they put over the match to make it sound better than it is. Um, it's kind of a problem that you think you just want to say you like want a commentator. Yeah, to it's, it's, it's like it's like a, it's um, like it's a good problem. That's a good yeah, problem exactly. to have in, in this in this current climate of independent wrestling and, and specifically independent wrestling commentators. So yeah, exactly. But it is like the only detail that I ever like notice where I go, like a little bit go like ah damn, you know. But that's like such a weird nitpick that it is compared to like guys who are fucking ripping bong loads in the middle of matches and calling the the wrestlers dorks. I, I think I'll take uh, I take Dylan's issue over that. Um, so you follow that up. Is it the next day? It was later. It was later that day. It was later in the same day for the uh, family reunion part two. What, what um, was it? What was it? Quentin, do you, you want to talk about the Jaden match? I'm sorry. Oh no, we're 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 good. It's all, we're good. It's all right. You guys you guys okay. covered it pretty well. Um, what was the time difference between those between those two shows? Uh, I think part one started at noon Eastern. Part two started at three Eastern. Uh, the Jaden match was second on yeah, the first the, the, show. Then you were the main event on the next show, yeah. And then we were the main event on the second show. So between matches, uh, I mean, probably like three, three and a half, four hours, something like that. Yeah, there was enough of a gap there that I was able to cool down and then and then kind of you know get uh, warmed up again and uh, and prepared for uh, for the main event. So. And this is, I mean, this is some big names in here of people that I don't know that you've ever gotten to wrestle before, wrestle with, wrestle against, ever. So that was pretty cool. You and Eric Cannon, that's like, I don't know, not necessarily dream match, but definitely really a unique and interesting thing that you would assume would never happen. Shit, Dan, Dan versus like Jigsaw. Yeah, Dan, I would say Dan versus Jigsaw was the one that when I saw the when I saw the uh, the two teams on papers, I was like, damn, someone should book Dan. Someone should book Dan versus Jigsaw. <laughs> Well, yeah. and I, I mean, I'll I'll be full full admission. I probably shouldn't say this, but on, on paper, one of the matches that was pitched for the weekend was a singles between me and Jigsaw, uh, and then uh, just the way it worked out, and and he had you know similar to me, he hadn't wrestled in in well over a year either, and uh, and so it, it just kind of worked out that it'd be better if if. Uh, if it was the the multi man, but otherwise, no, I had never wrestled anyone uh, on uh, in this match. I hadn't met uh, big chunks of the people in the match, um, and uh, you know, at, like on paper, I just, it, it initially was like, well, this is kind of a really random, you know, tag tag match. But I thought they did a good job of kind of you know differentiating the teams. We've got the serious wrestling team. And we've got the you know the drinking team, quote unquote, and that kind of helped us tell the story that that we were gonna put across. And I thought we had a really fun oh, yeah, match. I, I love like, this. Honestly, I love this a lot. 
Yeah, and and uh, in hindsight, I wish, you know, I think we had a, we have an even better match uh, with that with that pairing, you know, that we could have maybe flushed the story out a little bit. You know, full admission, we were told, you know, kind of roughly what they wanted, and then uh, as the show was progressing and everything was going really smoothly, we were told, hey, you could go twice as long as we want, as we nice. originally told you. And at that point, it was just it was too late to kind of, you know, call an audible and and really stretch out. what. Oh, we man, with uh, but, with you, with your with you guys, uh, with your team, with your team there, um, at least between, um, I guess, uh, you and Elisa, um, the former uh, the artist formerly known as Dasher uh, of da- Dasher Hatfield <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and Wheeler, too, like that's a that would have been a really interesting thing to see you guys go like. 20 something like 22 minutes or whatever and i trust at least the three of you guys they're in that control segment and it's a really likable baby baby face side so i, I would have really liked to see that so god man that, that would have been that would have been really fun yeah after re-watching it you know i think we only went about 14 and a half something like that but had we gone you know 25 and, and had a nice control segment with like a big baby face comeback and uh and maybe you know a handful more you know big false finishes at the end. I think we really could have had one of the best matches of the weekend. But even as it stands, I think we had a really fun match, and uh, I was really happy with it. Uh, and yeah, like I I previously met Eric Cannon in passing, and uh, when it came time to kind of figure out what we we're gonna do, I I just said I just want to wrestle you. You know, selfishly, I don't want to plan a bunch of stuff. Let's just go out there and and go hold for hold. And that's what we did, and that was really fun. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, he's on social media talking about wanting to have a singles match with me. So that's one of those things that, like, you never think is going to happen. But, like, I mean, I grew up watching IW Mid-South tapes and uh, and all that, like, you know, kind of the dawn of the super indie era. And Eric Cannon was, was a player, yeah. you know. And I, I don't think he's much older than me, but um, that's a match that I would love to run back, you know beat in like a freelance or a first wrestling or, or something like that i think that'd be a lot of fun and then same thing working with jigsaw you know the little bit that we got to do i really liked uh our interaction as well so um yeah no really fun match and uh, a lot of fun to put together and just kind of get this you know pick sort of see how people people work you know we had eight different bodies in there all kind of everyone's minds kind of gelling and and figuring out how how to do this and and it's not always the easiest thing to do i assure you um and uh and yeah i thought it came out really well and was a fun fun main event so uh those kind of oh sorry sorry i was gonna just quickly say those like comparison points those contrasts uh, between you and eric cannon as you know two like you said, around the same age, similar kind of styles of wrestling when it comes to being able to like wrestle and high fly and be like do big strikes and all this stuff. And then the dichotomy of the straight edge versus the, you know, the Paps Blue Ribbon uh, sponsored Dirty Ugly Fuck is pretty interesting. And then also like you and Jigsaw, North American wrestlers who maybe didn't get as much praise in the in, you know, on their continent who when they go over to Europe are super popular. So it's just like that's very interesting to see. Um, on top of like looking at everybody in here, like on its face, I was like, oh, you know, th- this guy. This... But then as I start like thinking about it, and maybe some people who have you know different gimmicks that, that are known or not known, whatever. There's a lot of Chikara guys in here. It, this was almost it was, like close to it you was being in a like Ch- a super yeah. super Chikara, yeah. 
Yeah, so you were pretty close to being in like a, a, cyber, a Cybernetico here. This was like, this could have been turned into a, a Cybernetico with a bunch of Chikara alum. It would have been pretty interesting. Yeah, the idea of doing it as an elimination was discussed at one point, but uh, we just okay. kind of decided decided that just the straight one fall tag would would a little bit be a little bit easier for all all parties involved. But uh, but yeah, no, it was uh, yeah, it was probably the closest thing I'll get to being in in one of those kind of Chikara style uh, multi mats. Well, yeah, so yeah, especially now. Yes. Um, but Quentin, I'm sorry I interrupted you there. Oh no, you're good. I was just gonna be like a little uh, off remark about uh, Dan talking about IWA Mid South tapes, and I've been I've been going through a lot of uh, IWA uh, uh, from 2003. <laughs> I was gonna make a, a little remark about how uh, this might sound blasphemous, but I'm like getting closer and closer to saying that I think Alex Shelley is the best rookie ever. But that was ne- neither neither here nor there. <laughs> he was he was so good right that's, the that's get, what I'm trying to say right is like, like yeah, he was so good like the like the Jimmy Jacobs matches like are like a less than a year mm-hmm. in the Shelley's career and to see the shit that yep. he's doing is like am I sure he's not the best rookie ever but uh, I won't I won't I won't I won't go like poking the nest at that you don't need to do it to him right now all right um let's move on let's move on to have fun to have fun be sad um yeah, that makes sense. Uh, even out, even outside of a, uh, outside of outside outside of your match, Dan, this was a really really fun show that uh, that you didn't you didn't get to see the uh, you know the the majority the vast majority of. Uh, so would you mind if we do pretty much a, a, a guess show rundown and then a little bit more focus when we get to your match and then uh, hit everything else. Yeah, absolutely, and and like I, I think I told you beforehand, you know, I I went back and watched the show this afternoon, so I've got some notes on on all the matches, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm happy to partake in a in a match by match rundown like you guys would normally do. So, and uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think on paper, everyone on that show, we kind of had a chip on our shoulder as like, hey, we've got the best lineup on paper this weekend. Like, we need to go out there. And knock it out of the park and like prove it that we're you know we're among the best independent talent out there and that you know it's it's a collective of of minds who are running these shows you know running sup and running action and and can put on just really good entertaining well thought out well put together wrestling cards uh in you know in a a, a landscape that's currently under a lot of scrutiny as being, you know, not not what the independents were of, of a couple of years ago. You know, I, there's still a lot of good independent wrestling out there, even though I, I don't think it's the best that it's ever been. I'm not going to tell you that it is. I think anyone who believes that is crazy. Um, but it doesn't mean that there's not plenty of good to be had, and we put on a hell of a show. So, no, I mean, look at this card, like you said, on paper, and then what we get, like. You can't say that there's no talent on the indies right now. You can say, I will even accept that there's not a lot of, let's say, star power, because this is a very, in some ways, this is a very top-heavy show. I mean, if you want to talk about, like, legitimate stars, the main event is the only match that has, like, Finn Juice or, like, the the draws, you know, like, on, on paper. But that's, I mean, that's how wrestling's always worked. Like, the main event is the draw, for the most part. But you look at the amount of talent on this show... And there is no reason why every indie 
in you know in and around the Midwest can't be booking this the, these caliber of talent East Coast like all of these guys all wrestle close to that region and can be booked on these shows where instead they're booking you know the dregs the bottom of the barrel guys the you know the guys who everyone keeps saying and I, I'm not gonna name anybody right this second but we'll get to some some bad stuff on other shows we might review later but uh, but yeah I mean this is this is where you can see there's plenty of talent here. Was every match great? I mean, I won't say every match was great. Did every match like deliver? Yeah, like there wasn't really. Uh, I'll, I'll steal a line from a from a, an old buddy of mine who did a beer podcast. There's not a not a turd in the herd. Um, there was no match here that I would say stunk, but there was definitely you know better matches and like not as good matches, but nothing was bad. And that's not something that you can say on half the shows on the GCW, you know, collective lineup. I'm sorry, but there was every show on the collective. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a show on the GCW lineup that didn't have at least one bad match. You know, that's just, you know, coming from me. Um, so we open it up and the opening match is the champ. Bonestorm Championship. This is a sup and action branded show. Uh, AJ Gray versus JD Drake. Um, I guess the battle of the first name initials. Um, Quentin, what did you think of this match? I adored this. <laughs> like, you know, what 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 more is there to say other than like two of the hardest hitting dudes in wrestling that we have currently went out there and beat the beat the shit of each other. There was no pretenses about what about what this should be or what anyone else expected you see aj gracie jd drake they should go out there and hit each other really really hard and they deliver that and they deliver that in spades jd drake it boggles my mind and i'm glad that aew uh swooped in and started using him but it boggled my mind to see a, a dude that good just not get just I, and i get it physical must have fell through whatever like the fact that, that that dude just fell through and he's still that great uh, and can go out there and deliver at such a consistent level, there, there's there's no reason why this dude shouldn't shouldn't have a shouldn't have a job somewhere. And AJ, we can we can say so much about him, but the dude has honed uh, honed his craft and zeroed in, in on an on an elite level. And hey, shit, there's two of the best bruisers that we have on the scene currently going out there and destroying each other. And every single chop I heard was pretty fucking loud and made it made me feel like oh god thanks thankfully i'm not doing that to me <laughs> yeah and this is an interesting match because this is a match that in some ways as you said these guys are like the bruisers and they've honed their craft and all this and that but if this match happened three four years ago i think we see a match where jd drake you know at that time james drake like is the one that me and you are both talking about how great he was in the match and AJ Gray would probably have been, you know, tried to do a fucking Phoenix splash and and had it look like shit and all that, you know. So it's just so interesting to see that AJ has like toned his style down to where he fits into the role that JD Drake was, you know, back when when AJ wasn't uh, kind of putting it together. So it's so interesting how JD or AJ has become like the perfect match for JD Drake as he figured himself out and realized how good he is. And meanwhile, JD has just been that good for this whole fucking time. And again, as you said, a guy who thankfully is getting noticed now, but uh, Dan, what did you, you got any thoughts on this one? I thought this match was awesome. Uh, it was like ridiculously stiff. I do recall like hearing it from the backstage as it was happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like full admission, I was the funniest thing was I was, uh, you know, sharing a kind of a dressing area with JD 
and before AJ showed up, he's kind of mumbling about how AJ is going to hit him so hard and fuck this and whatever. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you're going to hit him just as hard. So I don't know what your problem is, but um, yeah, no, they had a kick-ass match. I love, uh, I, I think AJ has become such a, a smarter version of himself over the last few, you know, a couple of years. Um, and he's one of those guys who had like a million matches mania weekend and i think it did take a lot lot out of him but everything that i've seen him have you know i've watched a couple of his matches back now and, and i thought they all pretty much delivered so um jd is just one of the most underrated smart workers on the independence he uses his weight so well like to just you know he he put the cross that he's a he's a big guy but he's still you know when he needs to turn it up and and you know, get to a second gear, he can still do that. And that's what we had here kind of leading to the finish where he hits a big cannonball, he misses the moonsault, and then AJ just lariats him out of his pants, basically. And, uh, and yeah, I thought they had a, a really good match. So, yeah, follow this up. And uh, this is really, really crazy to me where we're at now. And I don't know. I think, Quentin, you've been watching the action stuff, and I assume, Dan, you've seen some of it, but we're at a point now where when when Brett Eisen started showing up in action and then the storyline stuff with the titles and him and AC Mack and yeah, all that stuff was yeah, going yeah. on, I constantly was like, what the fuck? Like, why are, this stuff with Brett Eisen is so weird and that now he's like, he's a baby face in SUP and he's a heel in action and none of it. And now we're to a point where the good hand and somehow Suge D, which if you had told me this at any point before, that I would be buying into Brett Eisen as a babyface against a heel Suge D, I would be fucking flabbergasted. But Suge D, as this heel character that he's been playing in action, Suge D is, is so, making me Suge get into D is it. so good. He's so absurdly yeah, good. Phenomenal as this heel character. And switching everything up, going from being this honorable... I'm trying to like bring wrestling back babyface going over to England trying to be like I'm going to make a career out of this to like wearing street clothes being completely disrespectful never shuts the fuck up and just being such a shitty heel and now I'm to the point where I am rooting for Ison and Ison working the corner during uh Cabana Man Dan selling the heat was like fucking amazing I like I wouldn't again on paper if you had told me Brett Eisen, you're gonna be so into Brett Eisen as a fiery baby face. I would have said, shut the fuck up, because I was like the biggest proponent. I was telling people behind the scenes, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you trying to make Brett Eisen a baby face? He can't do it. He can be like an anti-hero heel that people like, but I don't think he can ever be a baby face. And at this point, the feud with Suge D is making me get into it. Cabana Man Dan, obviously phenomenal baby face. Um, the hard edge that's added by the Castaway Dan variant is pretty cool. Um, he can definitely pull this kind of stuff off a little bit better. It's it's interesting because it, it is it does make me think back to they might be giants versus violence forever, right? The, the canonical insane hardcore match where he was a clean cut baby face, but he was in a you know a really violent bloody brawl and he was holding his own there. It's like yeah, like leveled up as the Castaway Dan, you can buy him being a lot more aggressive, doing a lot more kind of crowd brawly stuff violent aggressive type stuff but yeah this was this was a really really um engaging brawl kind of tag team match this was a big time character work stuff that you get into 
Um, there was some stuff that was definitely very sloppy. There was some stuff that felt chaotic, but it really worked in the context of the story that they're telling here. So for me, I think it really delivered on what it needed to be. It's obviously the storyline's not over, right? So even if the finish and the way everything came off, like I said, it was a little bit sloppy. It was a little bit wild. It was like, yeah, but that's, that's good because it leaves you kind of wanting a more satisfying finish that doesn't feel so awkward and so just odd. And the fact that in the middle of trying to cut a post-match promo, you know, Ison just grabs uh, Suge and takes him back to the back, brawling, headbutting him. It's like, you know that this is far from over. So, you know, even though this is WrestleMania weekend, that doesn't mean that every storyline is peaking and ending this weekend. Some things are, or have stuff like this where you're just like t- still moving the story forward. Um, I don't know any thoughts from, from either of you. Oh, oh, but I, I want to add there. Like, I don't, I want to, Chuck D is really good. Chuck D is really, really great, and I'm glad that he's continuing, continuing to reinvent himself uh, so many, so many different times. And Brett Eisen has been one of my favorite surprises of 2021, and how much I've been enjoying him. And, and Cabana Man Dan adding that new look. Kevin Ryan's really good, and I, I really want to see um, him become uh, uh, someone like he's still super young. Uh, so I want, I want to see uh, how uh, team, teaming with Shug helps helps him develop because you have you you have you see have him there learning from learning from Shug D who's world traveled and has done pretty much anything that you could possibly uh conceive from his uh Europe from from his Europe tour to his rant to his running freelance and him becoming uh the top baby face over there for a period of time he, that's a that's a really really good uh, good guy to learn from so Kevin Ryan is someone I'm definitely very intrigued by and, and to see how he develops Yeah, I can yeah, I, 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 I agree with all that. I thought it, uh, it was, you know, good, good for its spot on the card. Like the hot kind of tornado start. Um, I think Dan is so underrated and and had like all, all of my like kind of highlights of the match were, were kind of cool little things that that Kevin and Dan did. Um, and uh, and yeah, I thought it was uh, like you said, it was it got a little sloppy at the end, but. Um, things kind of broke down and that kind of led to you know the, the heels getting the victory and like you said it's not necessarily the end of the storyline so i thought it was just a, a nice little advancement and, and uh good to get these guys on on the card for the big you know big show of the year right so yeah definitely and but it's not just a, a spot you know it is like i said it's building just more attention on a storyline that at least has something um but now to talk about a match that maybe is getting people on the card for the big show. We got a scramble match here. I don't have much to say. Um, you know, Dan, I don't know if you have much to say about this scramble match, Quentin. I don't know if you guys have any How the fuck do you say his name? Is it Damien Tangra? Yeah, it's, it's like Damien. But yeah. I think it's Damien Damien Tangra. Yeah. Damien Tangra. Okay, I've been trying to yeah. figure out how to say this dude's fucking name for like three months now. <laughs> like, I, like he's pretty good though. He, oh, he, he, I enjoy him a lot. I really do enjoy the yeah. dude. But I'm sitting there, dude. I don't know how to pronounce this goddamn name. <laughs> yeah, he's I, a guy I, that I, I would definitely like to see Dan wrestle. He's he's someone I would like to wrestle for sure. And I think there was some discussion of that going forward as as being a match that would be uh, really fun if it were to happen in an action ring. Um, this was, I mean. This was you're you're quite right. It's like the kind of match to get people on the show, but uh, you know, it really was a nice showcase 
for some of the of the guys and, and specifically uh tangra who i thought looked really mm. good had a couple cool spots he had the kind of the multi-person submission um with like double sdf that he then turned into like a toehold on on Jaden newman that was broken up by like a really gross frog splash so i thought that was cool um he cut off like a top rope kilo with like a European uppercut, <laughs> yeah. which looks oh, yes. so like wild and dangerous, like leading to the finish. Um, yeah, there was um, I thought the, d- the dive sequence was really fun, where everyone kind of got a little, uh, you know, like dive sequences and a scramble. That's kind of played out, but I thought there was enough kind of um, just like little twists and turns in it that that it made it interesting. So um, I thought the match was a little too long, uh, if I'm being honest. But, uh, but yeah, I thought it was good and, and was a nice little showcase for everyone. So Yeah, and I didn't realize that um, Tangra was a WWA4 guy until recently when they did the, um, the angle at the end of that, uh, that gauntlet match where uh, Alex, or what the fuck, Alex Kane, yeah, was, uh, picked him and said that he wanted a tag team title shot with, uh, with Damien as his partner. And, you know, they're both from the same school, so they had that history with each other that I didn't realize, you know. Because I I assumed that, that I mean, obviously he did, but I assumed Damien came here from, I know he's from, like, uh, Germany or, he's, or something. He's Hungar- Hungarian, yeah. Hungarian, yeah. yeah. Um, so I assumed he trained there and came to America, but obviously he had already come to America and, and trained here. It's kind of, kind of um, probably like a, probably like a, like a, ben, like a ben Carter situation. Sure, sure. Or even, like, a Cesaro you know, another guy who trained somewhat in the in his home country and then came to America and got trained more. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely... I And I thought that that tag team match was going to happen at some point over this weekend, but uh, I guess we're, we'll build to that later. There's no reason to blow everything. But uh, that's one I'm looking forward to as well. Um, follow that up. Myron Reed versus AC Mack. Um, I think, you know, this is one of those matches where it shows off that AC Mack can go with some of the top, like, flyer, fast-moving type wrestlers. Um, I think that people kind of overlook that. And I don't know. I've always been pretty high on AC Mack's wrestling ability. Um, I, I know that there's some people who aren't into it and think that he's just, like, 100% shtick and character. Um, but I think that he can definitely... He can do all the spots. I think he can add the drama. Is he a better heel for sure? But I think he can work babyface too. Um, it's just it's very tough to do so much high speed, high fast paced offense and still do the character work. I think that that's where that's where it's it's difficult. And I don't I don't necessarily think that I want him to try to you know do a Will Osprey thing and and try to do all the moves and then also be a heel at the same time. I kind of appreciate that when he's working heel, he doesn't really do as much um and then when he gets a chance to work either tweener or babyface that's when he kind of shows off more of his offense um that diving fucking cutter thing that myron reed does in every match is is fucking fucking insane it's insane i don't know how does he do it every match he does it in every match yeah (laughs) it's so crazy myron reed is another guy who's like under the radar how nutty he is all the time um I don't know. I guess it's just it just speaks to like yeah, there's something missing there where he like he doesn't really seem to ever catch. People don't necessarily get super into him, but he's a guy who I don't know. I don't know what do we need? Like Dan, what what are these what do these young kids need? <laughs> what are we missing now where guys like this 
don't uh, seem to get better. They just seem to stay on the indies for like four or five years, and then eventually WWE signs them, and then they disappear, and they never get any better. Like what? What's wrong with wrestling? I mean, I mean, like full full admission. I thought this was a good match. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. But it, was, but it was it was just kind of an exhibition of cool shit. Is all it really was. It didn't really have a, a narrative for for my money. Um, it was just kind of like. No one is really established as a as a heel or a babyface. You know, Mac. You know, was like the king heel in in the southeast, but it has gone babyface, and and that's just kind of a natural progression when, you know, you you become, you know, you he became Action's asshole. It was like, no, you know, this is our this is our asshole. We you know we love him. I, I, I will so, say that like yeah. it's weird though because like he's still very much a heel in sub, and then uh, and obviously yeah. he's uh had turned baby face in action. So I, I did I did think it was weird like coming into this like, yeah, it's an action sub joint show. But it's like, uh damn, like what do we do with AC Mac now? Which way do you yeah, go? Exactly. Yeah. Like, on a on a show like this where it is like explicitly a joint show, where if it was just like action wrestling presents and it was just following action wrestling canon, then it's like, okay, AC Mac is a baby face. Yeah, I, I, I will just say that it's it's way easier to establish, you know, I think it's Myron's first time working for either promotion. That's what I was going to uh, say, too. Like, it's tough because and, he's in there against a guy who's not one or the other. So, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so, so and, and Myron is, is not, you know, he doesn't really have a strong persona either way either, right? But it, I think it would have served them better if, if Myron had, had gone more heel and, and AC was more, you know, defending the honor of, of the home promotions that he he's a regular for. So um, that being said, like, yeah, it, it was a fun back and forth match. I just think it, it lacked a little bit of, of storytelling, um, which I think can be said about most people on the independents. I think that's what's kind of the missing sauce in, in a lot of independent wrestling now that's, um, you know, keeping people from, from going from being good to being great. That's... That's me, my my old man soapbox soapbox rant for the day. Yeah, but, uh, I agree with you. I just think, I mean, obviously, as as I asked you, I kind of think of it, and I'm like, I think I know the answer. It's 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 that, and it's that we don't have the veterans who are treated with you know like they actually matter because I hate to say this, but in some ways they kind of don't. Um, you know what I mean? Because we have all these indie shows where there isn't like the veteran who is a draw and is the reason why the house is there who you should listen to and be like yeah i should do what he says because unfortunately like the crowd comes because they want to see back and forth and a bunch of spots and stuff the, cr- the crowd the crowd is the crowd show. is here for the brand yeah the crowd is not here because someone knows how to tell stories and is a good wrestler unfortunately even in a situation like this where you have two promotions that do tell stories and two promotions that do actually do booking um, when you have someone like Myron Reed, who is not a re- regular in these settings, he's going to come in and do spots. Um, but yeah, Quentin, what did you think of the match? Uh, yeah, I would have liked it more if there was like explicitly a, a more explicit dynamic. Going either way, I've seen Myron play heel in MLW. Um, you know, with injustice, I've seen him do like a more uh, cocky heel leaning variant of his act, and I think that that would that could have played very well with AC and him being uh, the face of action. And I also think that getting a more uh, heel AC could have, led, could have led to a more interesting match. So either way is good. The execution is good. I really, I really like the finish and uh, and uh, the tra- the transitions and reversals that uh, that led into that. But 
Yeah, I would I would have liked the more clear dynamic uh, going either way. I think that uh, cocky jerk Myron, you know, uh, you know Myron Reed flying around and AC Matt giving him his comeuppance could have been a could have been an interesting story there. Yeah, and then we follow that up the big beefy fucker four way. Um, Quentin, what did you uh, what do you think of this guy? Logan Creed is a very fucking tall dude. <laughs> like that was the main yeah. my, the main thing walking around. It's like he's like so tall and skinny that like I was like, man, I'm watching like Gallows if he just <laughs> like just like, just like didn't bulk up <laughs> the way that he did. It was just like it was like strange yeah. like wa- watching him walk around. He's fine. He's 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 solid, but um obviously the main the main guys um. I came. I came way impressed. Impressed by were Banders, Derek Neal, and uh, obviously our boy Alex Kane, who uh, you know, give him, give him, give him the rocket ship immediately. That dude is mm-hmm. <laughs> incredible. Uh, but yeah, this is a, like for uh, four big guys in and uh, in their spot on the card. I think this effectively did what it needed to do. I mean, you know, Alex Kane still uh, become, become, uh, remains a force. In this in this in this universe, and having him go out there and beat three other dudes around his size only adds discredit only adds discredibility. Like in terms of like a piece of booking or like you know furthering someone and furthering uh, someone that you believe in, yeah, there's like no better way to do it than hey, we think this person is big and strong, and we're gonna put him in there with three other big strong people, and he's still gonna win that match. <laughs> yeah, this was. Yeah, this was fantastic for moving Kane forward. And, and his slogan as he comes out to the ring is, you're about to get all this work. And as you say, like Alex Kane should get all the work. People should be giving him all the matches. He needs to be getting booked everywhere. This guy is phenomenal. He's putting it together. Like, you know, the, the personality will come, I think. It's, there's not, it's not there, but he leaps off the page right now to where you don't really even, he doesn't really need much more than what he does. There's like a stoicness to him. And then the impressiveness to his work being snug and, and uh, like aggressive and violent. And he'll figure it out. He's still really new. But, yeah, I mean, there is intangibles there where I hope that this keeps moving forward. Logan Creed, as you said, solid there. And, like, I was a Logan Creed kind of hater. Um, I honestly never really saw much in him for a while. Then I started seeing he's playing this other character on MLW that I forget the name of. It's, like, this weird... It's, like, kind of like Otto Swans from... Uh, from CWF, he plays like this weird German assassin that wears a mask and they call him a different character and all this. Um, and like seeing him play this different character and then starting to see more of him in this kind of setting here. And I'm kind of like, okay, you know what? I'm into Logan Creed. He's, he's actually uh, better than I realized. Um, obviously, Dan, you did not watch this match live as it was happening, but this match leads into your match and watching it on tape. What do you think about this match? And what do you think about that you had to follow this? Uh, I mean, we had... It was very different from what what I was doing, so no issues there. Uh, I thought this match was was really good. I thought it honestly over delivered. Um, I thought for a four way, it flowed really well. There was you know there was always a little moving parts. There was never any real downtime. Um, you know, it wasn't two guys doing something while two guys just hung out on on the outside waiting waiting for uh, you know their segment or whatever. Like I thought everything moved really well and uh, and i thought everyone got to shine you know like i think all four guys uh are good and have have a future um uh, you know some of them are you know like neil's neil's not young and i don't think creed is young but but i think both of them are now starting to come into um their own a little bit now and, and getting a little bit more of, of light shine on them so that's good um the other thing was 
they did the craziest goddamn Tower of Doom yeah, talk that shit I've was ever wild. seen. Yeah. <laughs> With like, it was like a Samoan drop with a German suplex and then just like a big like superplex off the top. And I thought someone was for sure going to come up hurt. And it seemed to be like everyone came out, came out of it fine, but it looked unreal. Uh, you know, in a, I will say a subgenre of uh, multi-man spots that's pretty fucking played out and honestly yeah. does not need to be in, in most of your multi-man matches. I thought this was a refreshing take on it. And it, you know, it wasn't like a super pretty choreographed. It was just like what you would picture these four big rough guys doing if they were all kind of tangled up together and went flying across the ring. I thought it was cool. And, uh, and yeah, I think Kane, Kane's got a, a future ahead of him for sure. I really liked his match with Brian Keith as well on uh, Family Reunion, who's another guy who I just kind of discovered this weekend, who I think is also really fucking good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so no, I'm very happy with this match, and and like I said, very different from what what followed it, and so no issues whatsoever having to uh, go after these guys. Yeah, Brian Keith was another guy that my uh, my eyes got open to over the course of this weekend as well, and I'm with you. I I remember seeing his match on uh, for the culture on paper and thinking that it was kind of a Darius Lockhart being wasted because I was some no-name guy who I, I had seen his thing, but it was like, oh, what's this guy doing this Western gimmick? But then the match itself really delivered. So I was kind of like, okay. He, but yeah. he also had a, a really good match with uh, AJ Gray on the um, new Texas show, which was part of the fake GCW yeah, yeah. Uh, lineup. And it's, it's up on IWTV now, and it's it's a really good match. So uh, Nice. All right. I'll have to check that one out because I – yeah, I saw that because I wanted to watch some more of what Q did because I actually came away from this and, you know, whatever. This doesn't matter. But I came away from this weekend. I've seen Q wrestle somewhat in Texas because I was, you know, watching a lot more Texas Indies with Pete back in the day, and I remember him from back then. But right now seeing him and, like, compared to the rest of the, the, the you know, independent wrestling roster, I'm like – why the fuck is Mysterious Q not getting booked everywhere? Like, he's as good, if not better, than a ton of people who get booked everywhere all the time. And it's obviously like a he lives in Texas thing, but it is interesting. Tex so, Texas is hard to get out of. That's a massive yeah. fucking state. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, that's the only reason why. It's like, if you're on the west side of Texas, you're really far from everything. And it is like so, so, so much to travel all the way so it is like fuck but yeah it is like on paper mysterious q is just about as good as people who get booked for every fucking show on a bunch of other indies so it's just like eh. so i was gonna check out that that texas was it like new texas um pro show new texas when I saw pro yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah and uh and uh can you um can you speak to the height of logan creed you were there in the building with the with the man how tall is he <laughs> oh jesus christ like he's probably like I bet you he's legitimately like six seven, at okay. least. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's very tall, very tall, very friendly man though. He was very very yeah. nice. So oh, all right, well, thanks yeah. for killing the gimmick. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's I'm just I'm here to to kill Kayfabe. Yeah. Um, but so the only reason why I say on paper it's a tough match to follow because these are this is like the beefy man four way. You follow it up and you got two, you know, indie big guys. To you, I mean. You know, if you if both of you guys were in WWE, I guess you'd probably be cruiserweights. But uh, on the indies, you're you're gargantuan. Um, it's finally the match that's been building for th three years, four years at this point. Um, Daniel Makabe, you know, our current guest versus the Ace God Eric Royal, a long time, you know, uh, 
top guy as far as this podcast is concerned. Um, I don't know. Quentin, what do you think? Should we let Dan start out talking about this, talking about the history, talking it up, or what do you think? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, like, we're just going to sit there and, like, gush about how about how, about how good the match was, but Dan, for, like, yeah. as a person that, you know, exper- experienced it and, you know, finally got this done, like, uh, was, like, the input, like, the thought that you uh, both... Uh, Eric and uh, and yourself put into it. Did you feel like did you feel like that paid that paid off uh, within within the match? Um, is this something that you feel like you guys have more have more on the table here? And just like overall the experience of like just being able to get to, like be able, like being able to get this thing done finally. Like Eric was super fired up uh, coming com- com- coming out, which we which we normally don't see from a uh, from Eric. It's kind of like a cool, calm, collected demeanor, and to see him really fired up despite being uh you know the heel champ and action i thought was very very interesting i thought that showed how much eric was really in was really into this match finally happening uh i mean yeah it's i mean it's it was huge it was the entire reason that both of us were there and uh and it was um yeah it was a lot of weight off my shoulders finally getting to do it it was uh it was emotionally draining uh, for me, you know. After after the match, I definitely I had to sit down for a bit and just kind of take it all in and and be happy with the fact that that it happened and it went mostly uh, mostly to plan, you know. Uh, kind of what the kind of match that I think we thought that we could have, um, you know. Like I, it was originally supposed to happen for Nova Pro in New Jersey in uh, 2019. That of course got canceled because Nova Pro uh, goes out of business and the show gets replaced by uh, the GCW Orange Cassidy Produce Show, um, which you know we we both got booked on subsequently as part of the the ten man tag dodgeball match. We had a little bit of interaction in that match, but uh, you know obviously not not exactly the same. Um, the match subsequently gets rebooked for Tampa the following year. Um, for primetime wrestling, a group out of Washington D.C. that I believe has also subsequently gone out of business. Yeah. Really, um, Jesus Christ! Yeah. yeah, I think so. Not not to mention that the pandemic also canceled WrestleMania last week or last year. So, um, yeah, because I think that they were a relatively new promotion starting out at that point, and so I think that they had only run a couple of shows. But I think yeah. there was some, maybe some speaking out issues with someone uh, behind behind that promotion, if I if I do recall correctly. Um, and so yeah, again, it doesn't happen. And then you know, I mean, truth be told, Matt Griffin, you know, the promoter of action, told me that you know that the match that he wanted to happen, he tried to make it happen other times in 2020. He tried to get me to to Georgia do it on an action show and uh it just didn't work out and and we finally made it work for uh for this weekend which you know wasn't the easiest thing for me you know i'm still currently in quarantine because of it but uh uh you know i i think it it paid off i think we've got a better match in us for sure i think you know the kind of the problems that i mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation that you know I'm not really where I need to be as far as my my ring shape goes and uh, and my own you know personal uh, uh, fitness goes but uh, I don't think it necessarily affected the match uh, too negatively um, I think we told a good story 
I think we had a very different match from anyone on our show. And and honestly, honest to God, I know, you know, we had a bit of a chip on our shoulder that going into it, I said, we're going to have a different match from anyone else has this entire weekend here in Tampa. No one is going to have a match like us. And that was the goal. And I, I think we were relatively successful in, in pulling that off. Um, I think we could have uh, hit a bit of a faster pace um, going forward. I think, you know, uh, a subsequent rematch, it'd be good if uh, we hit a bit of a, a higher clip. Because um, we, we did work a, a fairly slow pace. And and, uh, and I think the fans, the fans were up for the big moments, but they weren't necessarily as hot as as ideally they would be um and uh but i think we had um i think we had good struggle which more above anything else that's you know my my utmost goal is is to exude struggle uh i think we had good psychology and uh i think you know there's uh i think there's some juice there in a rematch and whether it happens in action whether it happens in in scenic city wherever it happens i think uh I'd, I'd love to run it back and you know i think it sums it up nicely that you know the day or two after the match when we both had kind of parted ways uh eric went on social media and said there's you know certain people that you encounter you could wrestle every day and and be quite happy doing so and that that i was someone who falls into that category for him and you know i i feel the exact same way he's someone that i could wrestle every day and i think we could have a different match every time out and and i could be very happy with my wrestling career knowing that i i got to wrestle someone as talented and uh, and intelligent as he is so yeah quentin uh thoughts on the match <laughs> i mean I guess it's, it's definitely everything as a fan uh, that I would that I would have expected from uh, from a Daniel Makabe Eric Royal match in terms of the level of input and uh, and thought that feels like is being put into it. Uh, Eric being such a big magnetizing personality and a lot of the appeal in uh, in your work, Dan, being uh, the level of detail that gets put into it, and and, and Eric has the same thing, especially going back a few like you know years back into the CWF title run, Eric has all that same attention to detail uh, qualities to him. And to see both of those come together, I thought was really interesting. Obviously, the big spots, uh, you know, like you're the transition into the legwork, into late, into later stages of the match. And Eric doing this variant of his uh, big uh, shoulder tackle, and you just go fucking flying <laughs> out, of, out of the ring. Like who, who whose idea was that? You know, said like, man, Dan just fucking <laughs> flew out of the ring. <laughs> uh, I mean, full admission. You know, I I came up with that back to back. That missed knee drop immediately followed up by the the big, um, you know, clip to the knee with me bailing out of the ring, uh, and I pitched it to Dylan Dylan Hales on the telephone about a week out i i we talked on the phone and i said listen to what i have in mind for kind of this big you know centerpiece turning point in in the back half of the match kind of leads to my undoing and he just said that sounds amazing don't kill yourself uh, <laughs> on that on that bump to the floor and you know i i had kind of envisioned it in my brain and then and then kind of rethought 
okay, how am I going to do this and not actually die? And, uh, and I am happy to report that I, uh, I landed about as safe as one can on, on something as stupid as how'd, that. How'd, so, how'd it look on camera to you? I know. On the camera, I mean, on camera, you didn't even really see how I landed because yeah. the camera, the camera shot was so tight uh. that, uh, I kind of went, you know, flying straight into the, into the camera. So, but you could, you got the sense of urgency and like, holy shit, this guy came from out of nowhere and, and I went flying, you know, so. That was, um, it was a very movie magic angle. It did a really good job of, like, it was so up close and so chaotic looking that, like, your your imagination was able to allow you to think that it was the most violent, like, out-of-the-ring bump of all time. When it, Yeah, when, it, when I basically landed on my feet and then took my own bump from there. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was, that's, that's the ideal in that you can portray this kind of violent gross landing and and you're fully in control the entire time so uh quentin you were you were speaking or were you kind of done oh my my my, my bad there <laughs> started looking at my phone <laughs> you lost track that you asked that question yeah i, yeah, um, I completely i completely i completely did um <laughs> yeah i know i know for me the uh my fa- my favorite spot is uh, you and Eric get back into the, get back into the struggle, and he just uh, pulls your knee pad back down and just punches you right punch, punches you right into the kneecap, leading <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. leading le- into the finish there. This is like so perfect uh, for how uh, Eric Royal is, and it's not like this like overly pretty uh, overly pretty stuff, but. He's the definition of it looks. It looks like it hurts and it's and it's effective, and that was definitely probably probably my favorite spot of the weekend is him just pulling your knee pad down and just and punching you in the knee. Yeah, that is. I mean, for a shitty schoolyard bully move, that's like the best. and that's what Eric Royal is. And this is something. So over the past like couple of years, reproductive labor and the concept of like emotional labor has come into popularity for people to talk about right in general and that it's not you know properly compensated and that it's overlooked um especially because historically it's not just a uh, a female like i guess dominated like part of our economy but it's also like a lot of like uh like people of color bipoc people are in the in the in the economy of doing emotional labor reproductive labor um tends to be what they do and it's like kind of overlooked as how important it is and it's underpaid it's undertreated and what it does is it it leads to i've mentioned this in the past but the idea of um, emotional intelligence what it takes to properly and effectively kind of fulfill those roles in society is that you need emotional intelligence and you talked about how smart eric royal is as a wrestler and he is a smart wrestler but what he has a ton of is emotional intelligence like eric royal understands feelings and how to play with emotions and it's the psychology of wrestling but it is in a way that's like largely overlooked and i think that people historically want to see that that kind of stuff and be like that is oh that's just taking your your personality and turning it up to 11 that's how people have historically described it but eric royal playing the schoolyard bully and doing something like pulling down the knee pad and punching it that's a sign of that emotional intelligence he gets the emotional intelligence of a schoolyard bully and the, the the feeling that you get when you see that it's just so perfect and yeah and he shows it in 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 like droves in this match like just how 
how good he is. And we've got, you know, obviously, Dan, also, you've got a ton of emotional intelligence as well. You get how to play off of people's emotions and how to give people what they want to see in the story that they want to see. And you guys did a phenomenal job here. Comparing it to, like, the match with, with, with Jaden that you had um, the day before, where it's kind of like this open weight, mixed weight match, and then this is the heavyweight match. And as you talked about, it's a little bit slower, but it is like if you were watching, like, a shoot, you know, whatever, boxing, MMA, as you go from, like, the middleweights, the lightweights, into the heavyweights, like, this is kind of the heavyweight style. It's a little bit slower. The the, the, the stuff is maybe not as, as frantic, but it has more impact because of the size of the guys, and I really appreciate that, seeing you guys wrestle a heavyweight-style match. And, again, putting the storytelling, putting the emotion, putting the intelligence into all of the decisions that you make here like phenomenal match i think at the end of the year unfortunately people won't be talking about it but they really should this should be a match that people think about when they think about match of the year contender stuff um and i mean you've talked about it already dan that like maybe i don't know maybe there's some ring rust maybe you're not in the best of shape maybe you did land weird on a drop kick the night before and you're feeling a little banged up and you're not moving at the best of, of speed as you could maybe you're going up against an opponent who probably like weighs twice as much and is the same height as you as opposed to like what you're used to wrestling um people who are like you know a little a little bit smaller than you in general and 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 yeah i do think if you're wrestling a smaller person you could probably maneuver around on some of your bigger spots a lot easier but but that said this felt like a like i said like this was a heavyweight clash this was the champion facing an outsider who's who's got a an argument for being in contention but isn't quite there yet and the champion comes away with the victory um, and you guys, I mean, you told a phenomenal story here and we, and you didn't even really get into any real heel face dynamic stuff here. Like I was talking about Eric Royal doing the best schoolyard bully stuff, but that stuff can be written off. We've also seen Eric Royal in the feud with Freddie Ahai really show the depths to which he can be a dastardly evil heel. We've seen it in the stuff, uh, you know, in CWF it's, Quentin talked about like his championship run as a babyface, but also his his runs as heel um, with the coach and with uh, with the All Stars, and uh, this was this was barely even dipping the toe on the level of where you can get into the really nasty heelish Eric Royal. This was playful, you know, kind of bullying, being obnoxious Eric Royal. So this was a really nice you know dipping your toe in the waters of what a matchup between you two could be. Um, it doesn't hurt that this is the best singlet since Eric Royal has switched over to the one-sided singlet that I've seen him wear. I really liked this design compared to the weird spider design that he always has on his stomach. I, li I like the little flower design a lot better. That helped. Um, so yeah, great match. Great uh, Two great wrestlers who have like some of the most emotional intelligence in wrestling today. Um, and you go out there and you guys just really knock it out of the park and you do something that feels effortless. And it's, like, the best, like, you could just watch it with your brain off and appreciate the story that you're being told, but you can also get into it and really, like, dig in deep to all the details. Um, you follow this up and you get kind of, like, this a, a similar idea, but with the middleweights. As I talked about, it's, like, that's... If you want to talk about, like, a match that sets up to the next match better, it's, it is, like, you guys really did set the table for these guys to come in here and show off, like, a similar structure of a match 
but with like guys who are in a different like i said weight class to where they can be like a little bit more all over the place uh matt mikowski adam priest uh quentin i know that you've been high on these two guys what did you think of this match oh yeah i love uh i really really like adam priest i think that uh the level in which he start he's starting he's starting uh to get to is probably one of the better independent wrestlers that we have uh going going at the moment still a relatively new guy as far as far as i know but someone that looks like he's like he's getting it uh like super super easily uh and Matt Mikowski has probably been the highlight of Beyond for the last year and some change now. And this and this match just made complete sense to book in terms of uh, their style, their their grittiness, the personality and charisma they both exude. Uh, that kind of uh, physical charisma that you uh, that you get from that you get from both of these guys. And yeah, I mean, shit, this is almost like the, probably like the closest thing to a to a mirror match. That uh, you that you see this weekend, other than the fact that Adam Priest just doesn't have an MMA background and doesn't do kicks and shit. In terms of what these two bring to a wrestling ring, you couldn't have asked for a closer, more ideal matchup. And I think that those these two delivered it as uh, as as best as best as they could. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Priest has he's relatively new. He's not like a brand new rookie, but he is definitely still relatively new. And like, yeah, like. For someone who really works to, I compared him to Jamie Noble, but like someone who works that, like cruiserweight, what becomes now like a middleweight WCW from the like, nineties to two thousand style. Like, there's nobody as good like in that same kind of role. And and people forget Jamie Noble was in WCW at that time. So you know he was Jamie San in the in the the Young Dragons. Um, but yeah, like the Dean Malenko, Jamie Noble kind of thing like he does it super well like the part in here where he like kind of locks in like a tequila sunrise lasso from El Paso style submission hold um and it is interesting to see because he he stands toe to toe with Mikowski here working more pro style you know wrestling grappling catches catch can stuff with Matt Mikowski being more of a uh, MMA kind of style worker and it's so funny to see him like Mikowski in this setting working as the MMA guy in wrestling, and then to see him when we talk about Bloodsport being the the pro wrestling guy in the MMA kind of like it, it was kind of interesting to see that dichotomy because Matt Mikowski I think is a guy that the people who watch Bloodsport and say uh, all these matches are the same and it's boring and I don't like seeing just the same thing over and over again definitely don't appreciate that and don't see they're probably the same people who see Matt Mikowski and go like he's boring all he does is at this MMA thing um but when you see him in the two different settings and you see how differently what he does is can be presented in the two different settings it's like oh okay this guy actually really gets what he's doing and he's he's playing it up um so yeah that, I really enjoyed this um Dan this seems like a match that would be right up your alley but I, I'm gonna assume that live you were a little bit too busy to watch it but you did come back and watch it on tape what did you think about this one yeah, I thought this was awesome. Uh, I, I didn't see it live. Uh, I did watch it today, though. Um, I thought these guys worked an incredibly hot pace, between the two of them. Um, and, like, you, you put it over really nicely that it was kind of that more pro-style versus shoot-style uh, kind of ideological kind of battle. And I thought they told that story really well. Um, I thought that both guys sold really well. Like, Kowski sold his back and put over... Um, 
you know, like that that submission that you mentioned, that kind of Sesorogatme, Lasso from El Paso. It was a kind of a, a hybrid kind of thing. He set it up like an Indian Deathlock and then kind of transitioned from there. But I thought that was cool because uh, yeah, Mikowski built to his, you know, his torch rack armbar as his big kind of go-to. Took him a couple times to actually get it up there because he was selling his back. Finally gets the arm, which, uh, you know, Priest has been selling the entire match, which... Uh, a little bit of inside scoop. Uh, Priest legitimately did hurt his arm in that match, uh, and I, I don't know the extent of it, but uh, but I think he was really hurting, and I don't think he was selling for for good chunks of that match. Um, but they they still told a nice story where Mikowski finally gets that torture rack into the armbar, and then you know Priest is fighting, Priest is fighting, and then he he backdoors backdoors into uh you know he stacks him for the roll-up and i thought that was the perfect you know pro wrestling overcoming shoot style storytelling and uh for my money yeah it was one of the best matches on the show absolutely yeah i uh i have to agree with you on that um follow that up and then we get into the let's say super heavyweights um even though i don't know if o'shea edwards is much bigger than eric royal really um maybe Maybe John Davis is bigger than both you and, and Eric Royal. I don't know. Um, but uh, John Davis versus O'Shea Edwards. I would say this was John Davis's match of the weekend. Um, and a guy who people have are really going... Some people are going very crazy over for what he did over the weekend. You didn't like um, the Dominic Greeny I match would, that much? Uh, I mean, there was two of them, right? Um, but, I, I, uh, I, guess, yeah, I guess there was. All right. Yeah, I don't... I thought that they were fine, but I still thought that this was better. Um, I don't know. Did you think the Dom matches were better, or one of them was better? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I guess yeah. It did happen twice. The, the the one Dom match I saw was better because I forgot ICW ran three fucking shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, they, they ran, ran more they than ran, three. They shows. ran four shows. They ran four shows. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they ran fuck? three for they ran three for IWTV and they ran one for GCW, right? No, they ran four. They ran four for IWTV. Oh, I thought that they ran one for GCW also. No. Yeah, okay. What the fuck? No, they, they ran. They shows? ran. They ran Thursday night at eight o'clock, and then they ran Friday at eight o'clock, and then again at midnight. Yeah. And then they ran Saturday at eight o'clock. Nice. Yeah, they were really filling it in. I have to give them props because they. Well, were, I mean, like, full, they were full admission. They're the ones who who hooked everything up. They're the ones who got the venue. They're yeah. the ones who kind of set up everything, yeah. and and IWTV piggybacked off them really. And um, was and is ICW? Okay, so I assume that this is correct. I don't know that this is for sure. I've heard stuff. I don't know, but they're Danny Demonto, right? Like he's he's the ICW guy. It's it's Danny Demonto runs ICW, and they are most definitely not working with GCW at any point. So they, yeah, yeah, there that, is some legitimate sense. heat there between those two promotions. Yeah, I think I was thinking of someone else because there was someone who was running. I think maybe violence and suffering or, or no holds barred or something like that. Um, no, no, yes, yeah, 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 you're, probably, you're probably thinking of, yeah, you're probably thinking of violence and suffering. Yeah, there was somebody who ran on both things, but ICW is not it because I just remembered that it's Danny DeMonto. No, um, violence, violence so, yeah. and suffering. They have um, they have shows on IWTV, and then for some reason they were part of the collective GCW package. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't. I do, they, yeah, I don't know what happened there, but like, they're, like they're at least partially like they have some stuff on IWTV, but they had uh, that going on. No clue why. Yeah, 
Yeah. Hey, you know, whatever. It's fine, I guess. But uh, but yeah, whichever ICW match between Dom and, and John Davis you saw, you thought it was, was good. It was probably the Pit Fighter one, I would guess. Because that was the better of the two. I saw the uh, the No Holes Bar Volume 11. I guess that was the, for the first match okay. they had that weekend. That was the first match in the chains yeah. on, on the, the Thursday night, yeah. Okay. Regardless, I thought John Davis was good all weekend, so... Okay. No, John Davis was I won't say he was good. bad. I won't say he was bad, but I will say that, like, people are talking about him like he's like he's ready to break out and be a, the top guy, and I didn't quite see it there. Like, he's good at what he does. I really enjoyed this match a lot. But, yeah, I just think that people are kind of overblowing how good he was this weekend. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I mean, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things and like what's going on this weekend like for the people that had multiple matches that like didn't already come in with their stock super high like an AJ Gray or like I guess I can say like a Dominic Greeny or whatever like John Davis probably is the one that stood out the most if we're looking at it across like all these different shows that's fair and he had more matches than I would because I was thinking about it and I was trying to think like who's the MVP who's whatever like who's the standouts right and I think that there's a lot of people who say basically the clear stand, the clear MVP, the clear standout was um, was Daniel Garcia, and I could see that especially because he wrestled across brands. He was one of the people who wrestled a ton at IWTV and also GCW, um, and had a ton of really good matches. He had some of the best matches of the weekend, honestly. Um, and then it's like, well, okay, so let's say that you could, I could even say, let's give that to him as the like across brand MVP, okay, and then break it down into like. Who are the MVPs of, of the two distinct brands? And if you're going to do that, then I would say the IWTV exclusive MVP is Kevin Koo. Like, he was the guy who had the best matches on the IWTV exclusively. And, but then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, who is the fucking GCW, like, guy? And the only person I could think of that I looked at, and I was like, honestly, everything he did, he did really good. But he had a lot less matches on the GCW side would be like JTG. Like I honestly think that at the end of the day JTG was kind of the the person who had the best performances on the GCW side of things. Um, but he also only had three matches, one of which was like the the gray sweatpants battle royal. Um, so then if you compare that to John Davis who had more matches, he did have a GCW match, so he was across brands a little bit. Um, like, I, I guess I would say that John Davis probably had a better weekend than JTG, really. You know, if I'm not, like, putting the limitations on, like, just trying to do, like, a brand thing between the two brands. So, I would say that John Davis probably does deserve to be in the conversation as one of the better workers of the weekend, for sure. He's on the top end. Um, but I just think that some people are talking about him like he was, like, one of, like he should be the next top guy or some shit. And I just think that people are going a little bit overblown on that. Uh, it's probably, it's probably like more in the vein of like, uh, like an Eddie Kingston kind of thing, where like, uh, as the scene starts to like, uh, you know, dry up for like of a better term, they're like, and, and Eddie Kingston who had been good for however long, now people are like, oh yeah, that's Eddie Kingston guy, huh, where's he been? He's been he's really good. We should we should like praise him more. Like I think I think it's a kind of like a similar thing going on with John Davis. That's fair, that's fair. And I, I think that Eddie Kingston is better than John Davis, but that's not the point of this podcast, so <laughs> let's talk about this one. Uh, O'Shea Edwards, John Davis, um, Quentin, what are your thoughts on the, on this match? Uh, I, I'm missing O'Shea. I haven't seen I haven't seen O'Shea in a while. Uh, 
So it was ni- it was nice seeing him and seeing how charismatic and magnetizing he is whenever he comes out. Uh, you know, just a natural baby face in a way where, uh, like Dan kind of mentioned it when it came to his match, maybe not getting uh, the crowd as into it uh, early um, um, early on as maybe would have hoped. But O'Shea, it's hard to not have that going have the, not have that going right into it because he's gonna reel reel the crowd in just through his entrance. Pretty pretty much. Uh, so from that from so from that standpoint, I thought it was really engaging. John Davis, I thought looked like a million. I thought looked like a million bucks. And O'Shea, uh, those these big quote unquote hoss battle type matches aren't typically my thing, especially at least on the American Indies. But O'Shea is regularly the guy that I think pulls these off the best. And this and this is no different. I thought this was another really good. Uh, Haas hard hitting, well built uh, match within within that within that genre. That is true that O'Shea, in a setting where he's doing like a big man hard hitting match against a veteran, he's delivered pretty solidly every time. Uh, Dan, what did you think about this match? Yeah, I, I think it it worked. Um, kind of a slower pace for sure. I mean, they started really hot and then. It just kind of turned into a bomb fest where it was just big, explosive, um, you know, bumps and moves and then a lot of downtime in between. Um, So, I mean, your mileage may vary, but I I think both guys have such big kind of personalities and presences that it worked. Um, And I I thought the finish uh, was good. You know, they built O'Shea hitting the Fire Thunder finally. and, uh, And there was a nice little kind of strike sequence from Davis building to him finally uh eating that move and and davis is not particularly tall like he's shorter than me but he's he's thick and built obviously and for someone who i'm gonna guess weighs every bit of 250 pounds he bumps and goes up so well like i saw dom powerbomb him multiple times o'shea who is a big guy o'shea is the biggest of of all the people um, no, I mean, he's not as tall as Logan Creed, but O'Shea, I bet, is every bit of probably 6'3", maybe 6'4". Um, you know, he obviously got Davis up, no problem. Um, but yeah, uh, Davis is someone who I think um, can actually move really well for someone his size. And, and like, he's not young either, obviously. Um, and, again, super nice guy, super knowledgeable guy. I think it is similar to like an Eddie Kingston where it's someone who's kind of been overlooked on the Indies for all these years. And, and we need more John Davis's on shows because that's how guys, you know, we, we go back to speaking about that Myron versus AC Mac match. That's how guys get better is working with people like John Davis. So, and I, and I would and I would yeah. say like, you know, not to like keep doing this thing where it's like, where it's like ragging on current independent wrestling, but it's like, it speaks to the, like the talent pool that existed during what we will be called like, John Davis's prime years, eight, nine, ten years ago, that we're looking at a scene that's like brimming with talent. Whether it's your, you know, your Rich Swan, Johnny Gargano's, Trent, Ber- Trent Beretta's, Davy Davies, uh, and like everyone that was kind of in that DG USA uh, evolve universe, and John Davis who got shine there. Again, again, like we're looking at John Davis, like oh, John Davis is fine. John Davis is good. And then you look at John Davis now, it's like, oh my God, like he's so much better than like, like the vast majority 
of people that are left here. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, John Davis, like, if you're, like, at the time, it's like, no one's talking about John Davis unless you're, like, really intrigued by the guy and really, like, examining him. No one in twenty, no one in 2012 is like, man, John Davis, that's a Wrestler of the Year candidate kind of guy. Like, it really, like, that's almost a thing that, like, really does speak to, like, how much things have changed. That's, I mean, that's definitely very true. I was, I was definitely a big Dark City Fight Club fan, so I remember being huge, like, hugely into that, and then continued to follow John Davis after that throughout the Indies, and always thought that there was definitely more there, um, and just expected more for him. Um, God, he's not even that old. (laughs) He's really not very old. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, and that's uh, honestly kind of interesting to hear that from you, Dan, about how big O'Shea is, because I've thought of him as a big, strong guy, but I've always kind of thought that he was, like, one of these guys that's, like, secretly kind of, like, a man-lit or not that tall, you know, and just, but I think it's just, like, the way he's built is he's, like, very stout to where it's, like, I think deceptive, and he wrestles, I think he might wrestle a little bit smaller than, than you, than at least I realized before, because I always thought of him as, like, a you know, like a junior, like a power, not junior, but like maybe like a power middleweight kind of guy, like maybe something like a, like he's bigger than Shingo, but he wrestles that style where it's like, he's actually like, he wrestles bigger than he is a little bit, but he's actually small, but it's weird to think that he's actually probably bigger than I thought. Um, very confusing, very confusing for my brain right now. And I'm probably making very little sense, um, because of it. Um, that said, we follow this up with a match that's had some build, has some background. It's an unsanctioned, violent, bloody brawl between uh, Nolan Edwards. Um, mileage may vary, I guess we'll call him Nolan Edwards. The guy has got too many stolen nicknames at this point. Um, versus Angelus Lane. This match, I thought, was actually pretty good. Um... I was a huge fan of Angela Slane when she was kind of at the peak of her powers as the one of the top heels of Nova Pro, the aforementioned uh, Nova Pro that was closed down for some really shitty stuff. Um, she left wrestling. Uh, I can't remember if it was like an injury thing that she took off from. Yeah, she she le- she, she broke her neck. <laughs> yeah. Oh she oh yeah damn and, she did break her neck huh okay. And she had like retired. She said she was done. Um, and. But she was really at her peak at that point. I mean, she was putting on some of the best character work and then tying it into some of the better, like, emotional matches that were in wrestling at the time and then kind of left right at the height of that. Um, And then she returned and really hasn't... You know, lightning doesn't always strike twice. Like, I talked about it when Ciampa went out. Ciampa was, like, at the, the peak of his career, and I was a huge Ciampa fan from the beginning, but I would even say at its point in NXT before he left, um, with his injury, he was at like the peak of his career and then came back and it wasn't there. You, you don't always come back and then just, you know, go right back to where you were. And since Angelus has been back, I haven't, I haven't seen it. And then this match was the first time since then that I've seen like, this is it. And it's crazy because she's going against Nolan Edwards and you know, I'll just put, I'll fucking put the cards on the table. I, I I don't know why I'm dancing around it. Like I need to pretend like you know people don't know. I'm like not a huge fan of Nolan Edwards. We've talked about him a little bit here, um, and like kind of talked about that he's like good in certain settings. Um, I think, but like all around, I think that for someone who's willing to like do 
deathmatch stuff and can do blood spore and you know and make it all work he's like definitely better than a lot of other people um but he's he's definitely got his issues um so yeah i was like kind of impressed by this match when it came to that because it was like violent it was aggressive but there was still definitely some storyline stuff going on here um and it's been built to and it was emotional and it also had some goofiness like this was a match that was able to take you through all of the emotions like through every emotion in one match which was pretty impressive and never have it be jarring and never have anything feel like it was out of place so i have to give them a lot of credit for being able to pull that off um the finish was satisfying i felt like that you came out of this match and it actually felt like a big match feud blow off and that's honestly pretty impressive for a setting like this with a crowd that wasn't i mean i don't know what percentage of this crowd is even fucking aware of like the background and the story and everything that was building into this um but still like and they were not i'm gonna say the crowd was not super hot but for me watching it at home i definitely felt like i got the finish and the and the kind of blow off for what i wanted from this storyline so so i was into it um i don't know dan what did you think of this <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to tell you, people in the building were, were really into this. Um, and I didn't get to see any of it live, but watching it back today, um, I thought it was well done. I thought it was, um, for the style of match, it was simple, but I appreciated the simplicity. Like, the finish was, like, not some big convoluted, you know, setup. Like, basically, they were fighting on a high, you know, a high plane she got knocked off through the barbed wire and he pinned her that was it like it wasn't some you know convoluted canadian destroyer or you know there wasn't anyone holding it there for them or you know like i thought i thought everything kind of flowed well um and and yeah it was just like kind of basic and violent and and pretty well done um the other thing i will say is it has one of the most like viscerally kind of striking deathmatch spots i can recall seeing and i i have to imagine they set this up but there's a spot uh you know both both of them you know they bump into the tax pretty early on they brawl around the bar they're fighting on the floor both of them get busted open they fight their way back into the ring and there's a spot where angelus is facing one of the ringside cameras close up and then nolan pulls her like drags her backwards stomach first through the thumbtacks as you know you get this image of this bloody face screaming and being pulled away from you yeah and it honest to god felt like something out of a horror movie and it i thought it was really dramatic and effective and i'm sure it sucked but it like to, to be dragged through thumbtacks like that i'm sure it did not feel good but um but i thought it was getting you know maximizing uh your your output on you know like it wasn't like i said it wasn't some big convoluted setup there wasn't a bunch of things chained together they didn't have to have people holding spot you know things there for them it was literally she got pulled through thumbtacks and it was her selling and it was just you know just the i don't know if it was the happenstance or if it was set up that a make sure that this camera's on her while she's doing this i don't know but i thought it was incredibly effective and uh you know basically uh, it was a just a very simple brawl that they maximized their results out of 
Yeah, and that spot, I've seen edits of it, like pictures of it, uh, GIFs of it that have been edited in different ways that look super impressive. I saw Angelus Lane post a picture of her stomach pulling the thumbtacks out of her stomach, which was fucking phenomenal. Like, yeah, that was definitely a very brutal spot and an iconic spot um, for indie wrestling, deathmatch wrestling, whatever. And, and again, it goes into the stuff I was talking about, how this was the first time in a long time that Angelus Lane felt like she was, like, hitting that level because at that peak, Angelus Lane was doing, like, iconic shit all the time. Like, she was so... She's just so good at this kind of stuff. Anyways, uh, Quentin, what did you think of this match? Uh, I, 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 I enjoyed it, especially for uh, how different it was than everything else that was on the card. And, uh... You know, look at like looking at that stretch of matches we had, uh, going from uh, Dan, Dan versus uh Eric, from, versus Eric Royal, Matt McCaus Matt Mikowski versus Adam Priest, and then O'Shea and then O'Shea versus John Davis. I think this was the perfect match in terms of uh, structuring a show to completely change uh, uh the tone and uh, direction of it. Because I think at that point, then you risk everything getting getting kind of samey. So I'm glad that they had the, that they had this uh this match on the show, and especially uh right here where they placed it at. Yeah, it was a pop of color, you know. It was something that stood out, and we follow that out with uh, we follow this up with a match that probably took a while <laughs> before it started because they they on the uh, the IWTV edit of it now that's on on demand they like they they clip through the wait, and I remember I watched this match. Sitting in a parking lot of a Chase Bank, eating potato tacos from uh, Home State. I'll give a shout out to uh, Home State. It's a, a Texas Tex-Mex style uh, restaurant here in Los Angeles. Um, eating some of their potato tacos in the in the the parking lot of uh, of the Chase Bank, watching this match on my phone on my lunch break at work. Violence is forever versus Finn Juice. Both these guys come out here with some really slick-looking tag team titles. The Impact, the Impact tag team titles right now, the least important they've ever been in the history of that company. They feel like it's just such a, a nothing afterthought. But the best they've ever looked. I don't know, Quentin. You're the Impact TNA historian. Are these not the best-looking TNA Impact tag team titles ever? Uh, nah. Like, look-wise? The, uh, the, the old, the old, um, NW, NW, NWA ones were really, were really good-looking. No, I'm talking, I'm not talking about NWA. I'm okay, okay, in, okay. Just Impact. Just, like, TNA Impact, not NWA titles. Uh, just Impact. Uh, I guess, I guess you have a point there, then, if we're just, if we're just taking it, uh, in, in, in terms of, in terms of, uh, Impact that I think I would I think I would I think I would take these ones. When you said that, I'm like, ah, man, these aren't better than, like, the belts America's no. Most Wanted had. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. The 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 TNA or the NWA titles are are obviously their NWA titles. They're like fucking historic, beautiful titles. But yeah, I I love these titles, um, just the way that they look. It's impact, so they don't matter at all. Um, come out here, Finn Juice versus Violence is Forever. Um, this was like a throwback match. This was the WWE star you know, tag team, WWF, I'll even say, like in the 80s, back when WWF guys who could be on TV could also take indie shots and work in like a, like a gymnasium at the local high school against the like local stars. You know, this is like the NWA champions coming into town 
and wrestling the local heroes. This really felt like that kind of match. And Violence is Forever are so good at working the role that they normally do, where they're like, you know, the modern day road warrior, road warriors. But they're working this setting where they're the, you know, the local baby faces, the underdog heroes that everyone should root for against the coming in big time stars. They were phenomenal here. And it just shows where you're like, God damn, like, I really love these guys, and I think that they do such a good job at this, like, very particular style. And then you see them in this setting where it makes sense for them to work a different style, and you go like, oh, okay, they actually have the, like, the, um, the ability, the, the kind of, uh, like, uh, I don't, I can't think of the word. Um, anyways, they're able to work different styles. They could, like, do different stuff when it makes sense, rather than just, like, they're only they can only work like a certain pigeonholed style like the elasticity was the only thing the only word that's coming into my my brain um to be able to work something differently so yeah um i'll let uh, i guess quentin what did you think of this i i don't know how big of a fan you are of like finn juice oh because I, I, I know we're both low on new japan but what do you think of that oh i love i love finn juice i'm really big on family love juice i think he's been consistently one of the better better wrestlers in new japan like since he came in honestly um this is my favorite this is my favorite match on the show i love this uh i think i especially liked it because of like you said that change in roles here finn juice are usually these uh valiant uh but probably like closest thing to the eight to the 80s and 90s other than the other than ftr uh, tag team and wrestling that we have they're just so being inherently like uh likable and playing their role and playing their roles uh perfectly and to see them and to see them come in here acting uh acting like big shots and kind of trying to big league the uh, the local tag champs that was really good especially i think especially uh juice here was real was really good antagon antagonizing them as they as they, as they were in control and to parlay that to uh to a, to a face in peril and comebacks from violence of forever like these are these are two guys that that, that can that can do uh that have developed in a, in a pretty versatile wrestlers dominic garini won me over being a violent no nonsense ass kicker beating the shit out of people and being having these ridiculous uh hardcore matches but he's developed into a super likable babyface, and Kevin Koo, I think, always had that kind of potential. And this was just the setting in which that was uh, the the best the best route in order to make this match the most effective. But I love this. I thought I thought this is my this is my favorite match. This is my favorite match on the show. I thought Finn Juice looks spe- I thought Finn Juice looks spectacular. As we're going down the stretch, I genuinely you know, despite the fact that Finn Juice worked for New Japan and David Finley was just one win away from the New Japan Cup Finals and they're the Impact Tag Champs, it got to the point where like, dang, damn, do I really think that Finn Juice could win here? They almost they really uh, suckered me in into thinking that Violence is Forever uh, had had a shot, and to see Finn Juice uh, then put the, put put it away uh, was that was satisfying, but. It's a match that reeled me in, even when even when you come into this thinking that you know the kind of finish to expect. Yeah, this was phenomenally done for that, especially like getting the hope spots. And you don't think of Violence is Forever as being a team that needs hope spots, but they had some phenomenal hope spots. The power bomb into the European uppercut to the back of the neck was one of the most brutal things I think I've ever seen. I loved that so much, and like 
yeah, like playing that up and and one thing you mentioned there with Finn talking about like the eighties wrestlers and all this like could you imagine if Finn fucking Juice Robinson had been who he is now working the territories? He would have been so fucking great. Like yeah. oh my god, this guy <laughs> like Memphis, like working the Memphis territories, Juice Robinson would have been so fucking huge. This guy in Portland would have been amazing. This guy could go from territory to territory and just be this star who pops the crowd because people fucking love this guy he's, everywhere he's, he goes. He's a guy I think that like would thrive in like any any setting that you put him in, and I think that like gets said yeah. about a lot about, about a lot of people pretty loosely. But Juice is one of the guys I think genuinely you could drop Juice in any setting from like 1970 to now, and I think that Juice Robinson works perfectly. <laughs> yeah, he gets over. He, and yeah, I I was just sorry to interrupt you. I was just gonna say no. Go ahead. He had uh, such a, a natural charisma uh, that yeah. I mean, there were definitely people who came there specifically to see those guys. I you could tell, um, but like <laughs> they, I mean, they stood out as, by and large as being you know they were the major league stars on that show, and you could tell that you know they just are such a well polished act. Um, Juice is also deceptively very big. Yeah, I'm about like, to say, like, looking at Juice compared to, like, even, uh, like, Dom is like, oh, man, Juice is a fucking big guy. You forgot, like, oh, yeah, WWE developmental dude from, from, the, from, the, yeah, from the early two, from the early 2010s. <laughs> I mean, Dom and Koo are both shorter than me, but, um, but Juice, Juice had at least an inch or two on me. Like, he was a, and both those guys were really well built, put together guys. Like, they just looked the part and were super professional and I thought this match was awesome and I was happy that uh, you know my friends got to have such a good showcase match on on a show that you know like we said it was uh, one of the highlight shows of the weekend and it, it's something that I think people will, will be able to go back and watch uh, you know for years to come like hey remember that time Violence is Forever wrestled Finn Jutes on you know their own produce show yeah. uh, you know I, I think that's dope and so, yeah, I think they knocked it out of the park for sure. Yeah, it's definitely when you're like the us kind of nerds who at the end of the year, you have to put together your list of, of the best everything. Like this is a show that you have to watch by the end of the year, no matter what. Um, and for them to have the match of the night on the show, for them to it be their their night, they're in the main event. They delivered. They went up against the, the big time feels like big time stars and they didn't feel out of place while also playing the role of being the you know they're the local stars against the 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 big time international talents and again talking about juice like uh, this guy i just it's so funny to think about the nxt the developmental the fcw thing and and all of that and the fact that he left and he he bet on himself because he was right he was definitely right to bet on himself because he is a guy that you talk about you could drop him anywhere he would have always gotten over and I just think that, unfortunately, he's one of these guys that I really, I just, my brain is just dancing, thinking about fucking Juice Robinson working the fucking, the territories. This guy would have been such a major star, no matter where he went. Um, so I guess we'll move on from that show. Um, Quentin, what did you, what did you think of For the Culture? Did you watch any of it? I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten to see any, see, see, see any, of, it, any of it yet. I've been uh, okay. working, working and reading, and also it's so much, so many fucking shows. <laughs> There's a ton of stuff I have not wanted to watch. I I've been felt like I've been out of it. You know, last week I 
I guess, I don't know. I, I guess this is as good a place as any to talk about last week. Last week I uh, was on a different podcast. I was a guest on uh, Boomer Death Squad. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Boomer Death Squad. It's like a politics comedy podcast. It was pretty fun. Um, but it was like, yeah, I did that. I did not really feel like watching a ton of wrestling. My wife was very sick after getting her second vaccine shot. So I didn't want to watch everything, but I like, I watched some stuff, went through things. I will say people check it out. Check out my uh, guest spot on Boomer Death Squad. I will say that there was a point in the middle of the show, um, where they were recording what I thought was like, you know, we're not recording the episode, we're just on break. And I did, I would, I won't say that I made a joke that was off color, but I did like reference something that I would have, if it was this podcast, I would have given a trigger warning to. Check it out, Boomer Death Squad. If you're not going to have issues with the with with that, it was very fun for me to do a comedy podcast for the first time in a very long time, and just joke around with people. So I would say, yeah, give it a give it a listen. It's a it's a fun show. Um, Either way, so I was busy dealing with, like, reading articles and checking out stuff to get prepared for that, um, and then also, like I said, wife being sick, so getting into all these shows was pretty rough. Um, finds... I saw, uh, what was it? Because I saw Billy Dixon versus, uh, AJ Gray, but that, but that's okay. it, really. And, uh, that was, um, wait, what show was that on? That was on... That was um, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Yes, that was and I did not watch any of Effie's Big Gay Brunch yet, um, but I will definitely check that out. But if you, I don't know, quit, or Dan, did you watch Effie's Big Gay Brunch at this point? No. Uh, no. Uh, no. I'm just gonna. I I'm gonna say other than I, I believe we have one yeah. more show that we that we all watched. Uh, yeah. to discuss. Other than that, I have not watched okay. any of the GCW stuff. I regret watching Yeah, I was going to say show. Lucid I Dreams. Did you. you guys check out the Lucid I... Dreams at all? No? No, I, I, have, I, have, I have that show. I didn't get to um, the, the one that I okay. wanted to see. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't get to, I didn't get to see that. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I guess like, you know, we're alluding, yeah. alluding to Bloodsport, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 6. I hated this fucking show. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I hated this fucking thing. Um, I opened the file up and I look, I'm looking through the card on Cage Match, and I'm like, "Why the fuck are there so many matches yeah. on this card?" And I'm not gonna lie to you. Up until the main event, and like, I liked Leo, ver- Leo versus uh versus Yoya, but I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I was fucking miserable for the most That's of this That's kind of crazy to me because the first two matches I thought were really good. Um, I thought, I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought the uh, the first the first two, uh, Train versus Kai and Mikowski versus uh, uh versus uh Karui, I thought were I thought were good. I that that middle stretch it's, is really it's fucking long. rough, man. I'm not. <laughs> it's long, and they there was too much. And me and you both just reviewed the recent Bloodsport shows, and they were perfect because they were really quick, and they had like five matches, four matches, you know. And this, why yeah. are there so many fucking matches? Uh, dude, I don't, I don't know. Let's get okay, into it. We, we'll, we'll 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 get into it because uh, da- well, Jesus Dan, where Christ. do you stand on this? What do you think? Uh. I, I I would say overall I enjoyed the show, but there's definitely I'm going, looking at my notes here and there's maybe match eight or nine I was like, this show is too fucking long, and then 
after the fact, looking back, I mean, the average runtime of these matches was like five minutes apiece. But I think it's just having a lot of the matches were worked very similarly. Uh, and it's just like you get to a point where it's like, I, I've seen enough matches. I don't care how short these matches are going. Um, there was only a couple matches where I went, okay, this is over saying it's welcome now. This is too long. But just having that many matches, regardless of the fact how long they were, it, it was too much uh, when everything was going to be too similar. Although I, I will say there was a few things that kind of mixed things up. And there were a couple things that I uh, surprisingly enjoyed that we can I can highlight when we get to those matches. But things I that I did not expect to like that I really did like. So. Well, let's talk about your your history because you are you've been in three ambitions and you've won one of them. So you have a little bit of of I guess you know you have some ground to talk about how would you put together a shoot-style pro-wrestling show to make it not so fucking long and boring? Like, what, I guess, what do you think could have, what could be done other than, I guess, what, just cut half the matches? Is that really the answer when it comes down to it? Like, what do you think the issue is? I think I think 12 matches is too many, for sure. Um, I think there is some, some instances of things being too samey, for sure. Um... I don't know if they are agenting things on this show, but, uh, you know, those kind of shows that I've been on have definitely been agented so that there isn't a lot of repetition and so that, you know, you get some fresh type of matches and you don't have a lot of similar finishes. So, um, but, you know, you know, I don't even know if that was necessarily a, a problem with this. In some situations, it was literally... I have no emotional investment in either of these guys. And, you know, I think that's why the main event stood out so much as being, I, I mean, I'll be straight up. I think the main event is, is probably the best match I saw from Mania Weekend. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I, I honest to God believe that. And they didn't do much, you know, like they worked a really simple match, but it was the fact that, there's emotional investment in both characters, specifically Moxley, because he's such a good wrestler and he's got such a natural charisma that he draws you in, even to the fact that they really didn't do much, but, you know, like he makes it mean something and he makes you interested in what they're doing. And then, of course, like things came unhinged, there was blood and, you know, there was a couple big, big moves that they built to in the finish. Um, so I, I thought that was a really well put together match. It stands out. It was only 11, it, it stood out. It was the only match that went of any. You know, it was like eleven minutes. Yeah, that's it. Everything else on the card was like five to seven. And yeah, like I said, there was only a couple matches in there, and I, I couldn't let you know which ones that I thought overstayed their welcome a little bit too much. But um, and and there was a couple where you know even when the match got into the ring, I sort of went, okay, I I don't have time for this like at all. But and that comes down to people, you know, like the people who really connect, you know, Josh Barnett is so concerned with this show having this air of legitimacy to it where he wants to book people who have legit backgrounds, regardless of how good you are as a pro wrestler. He wants you to either have a legit background or, you know, at least look like you have a legit background or you have some kind of air of legitimacy to you. And I think that's cool and that's important. Uh, 
But I think more than anything, I, I want people who can have engaging pro wrestling matches yeah, like, because when it comes down yeah. to it, that's that's what it yeah, is. Like, it's, like, it, like it's not like fucking like two thousand, two thousand one rings to the point where like you can't like discern what like what's a pro wrestling match and what's a MMA fight at this point. Like this is still very much pro wrestling. So I totally get Josh's vision and what he's going for. But I think that's like the kind of sweet, the kind of sweet spot that ambition, that that ambition at its at its best hit. And granted, though, um, WXW might have um a bigger pool to uh to pull from. Even even I can't even say that's true, honestly, because like, it's fucking GCW. They can get like they can pretty much get whoever they want to come work these things. Like I think that that's probably definitely something that got that gets lost uh when doing these. At least like the Josh Barnett variations is like. Okay, we're we're still try we're still trying to have, well, like what what could, what could be considered like a good match here. And Josh Barnett gets that. Josh Barnett has wrestled and been involved and dabbled in uh, shoot style or shoot adjacent uh, wrestling for a while. That's like the that, that's the style that's the, that's the style that he's like that that he's made his bread bre- um, bread and butter off of when he isn't when he is involved in wrestling. So like he understands that. But like, not everyone is gonna have his mind on how to work stuff like this. Yeah, no, and and it is like when when you talk about it, like people who look the part, I guess, would be the the argument. It's like when you're when your actual legitimate background is like I've taken a handful of fucking BJJ classes, but I work out or whatever, and I have abs. It's like that's not the point because you get the same problem that you get. You actually get the same problem that you get in pro wrestling matches but intensified where it is the like has this person ever been in a fucking fight and when you really double expose that where you have these guys who you know they've had you know some training and they have like a fucking purple or brown belt or whatever the fuck they have and then they're also like they've worked out a ton but they've actually never been in a fucking real fight in their life then you get out here and then now they're like they're pro wrestlers doing shoot fighting with their brown belt and they've never been in a fight but they have their muscles and you get shit that just looks even worse like when it comes to being fake like oh my god this guy in a pro wrestling setting looks fake but when now he's like holding back doing a fucking shoot style fake bullshit and doesn't know what a real fight looks like it's even more glaring and i think that's the problem like i understand where he's coming from you want these people to seem believable and have a shoot background or whatever but when you don't have a real shoot background you just have like this like puppet show shoot background you end up with something that's even worse than someone who is a good wrestler who doesn't have a shoot background could do in this same setting so that was like another thing that was pretty frustrating throughout the night but uh let's open it up they open it up oh go ahead I just want to point out that a brown belt is a really high level that's like incredibly high level (laughs) I know I know I understand that's why I said purple belt, brown belt. You know, that's that's. Sure. I understand that's still high. Um, yes. Yeah, but it's like yeah, it's, it's yes. still <laughs> if you have that fucking belt and you've never been in a real fight, you don't necessarily know how to sell like you're in a real fight. Sure. So yeah, we open it up, women's match, and this is, I think, the second longest match on the night. Yes. Um, yes. Somehow. I don't, uh, yeah. Somehow. And was too long. Um, and was not bad. Probably two of the better workers on the show, and two people who could have given you a very solid fight if you would cut this down. But 
on Janai Kai, who the commentators could not decide how to pronounce her name. Um, they kept switching back and forth. Um, is really good, and I've seen her in Paradigm Pro in quick spurts and showing off what she can do. This match went way too fucking long. She never backed down, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe they were allowed, maybe they were giving them a lot more leeway than they needed to on this show because I think that uh, Karen Tran, KZT, um, is the more experienced as far as they were concerned. I don't even know. Like, I've tried to look her up a bunch, and I cannot find a ton of history on her, even though people, like, act like she is someone. Like, I don't know. Is Am I wrong? Do you guys know Karen Tran? Am I, like, out to lunch on this? No, I don't think she, I don't think she has any pro wrestling background. I think she's just a high-level jiu-jitsu player. But okay. just a player. She doesn't have, like, like um, legitimate, like, competition uh, pl- credentials play, play, player player is is what they that's their if you if you do jiu-jitsu yeah, fights yeah. or not mma that, that's that's what you call, call our right fight, so right right but she doesn't have because they talked about like she had some um jiu-jitsu like world championship stuff and and things like that but she doesn't have any fight credentials under her belt i don't i don't think she's ever done mma no. yeah she's done nothing outside of like jiu-jitsu competitions jiu-jitsu like yes. I said. yeah which is like okay, she's a top level jujitsu player. That's very good for sure. But yeah, so I think that I think that there's a possibility that this match got stretched out because um, Janai Kai was supposed to at some point stop fighting back as much as she did. So I have to give her some credit for never backing down. But uh, it definitely dragged the match out and made it feel um, a bit boring at times. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you guys think? Um, I, I think I think for me, um, the thought of it being a little too long, definitely definitely uh, bigger here. I enjoyed both of these two a lot. I thought that uh, other than like maybe like maybe like three or four of the people that they were the best work that they um, impressed me that impressed me the most on the card, honestly. Um, but something a little a little shorter, a little a little tighter. I think I think would have I think would have done them both a lot, a lot of good here. Uh, they both should. They both really looked like they knew like they knew what they knew what they were doing in their uh, in their in their transitions, and they didn't seem uh, too too clunky. But nine minutes was definitely a little a little too, a little too long for them here. Something tighter, uh, probably around that around that five six maybe maybe seven minute range would have been would have been a lot better here. But honestly, one of the better matches on the show. Yeah, I and I'm sorry if I made that sound like I I didn't like this because, as you said. I think that these were two of the top performers on the night, and I would put this in the like, like second or third best match on the on the show. But Dan, what did you think? I thought they were well on their way to having the best, like the best female um, blood sport match that's ever happened. Like I thought they both had maybe some of the highest credentials of any of the female workers that have been on the shows uh, up to this point. And they were having a really interesting match that was playing off of the whole striker versus grappler dynamic that you don't always get in blood sport. A lot of the time, it's just everyone is grappling each other. Whereas like these two had very distinct styles and personalities. And I thought that they that really played well into the match and made it really interesting that Janai Kai was kind of 
having to survive in Karen Tran's world and then create some distance. And then she was going to town with the striking and then would, you know, uh, you know, like what often happens in, in real fights is when a striker kind of gets overzealous and, you know, comes too close to their grappling opponent um, and then gets kind of sucked back into that world. So I thought it was a really interesting match. I 100% agree that about six or seven minutes in, I went, okay, it's time to go home now. And I thought they kind of just ran out of steam for the finish. Like, I didn't think it, the finish was all that interesting. Karen just kind of locked her down from from mounting and got a, like a triangle armbar from mount. And it wasn't like particularly showy like of a finish. It was just kind of like, okay, I guess it's time to do this now. And, and she just legitimately kind of locked her up. So, but agreed. I, I thought it was a good match and I, I didn't have high expectations for it. And uh, it was one of the best ones on the show. So Yeah, if that big... Um, high kick from Kai had happened like in three minutes and then you went to the finish like within like two minutes after that I think we're set and then we have a great match you know because you have like you talked about you have a story there you have the grappling the back and forth and you have the big dynamic story and the big dynamic pop of the huge strike but it wasn't enough and then you get into the finish perfect but it just it really dragged and it was tough to get through and it you know, this is a weird match to say this, but it felt like, to me, and maybe I don't know, maybe they meant for it to be this way, but it felt like it was like dick measuring. It felt like there was a bit of posturing in here that was about, like, they were not cooperating with each other as well as they should have for the setting. And maybe that was the point, and maybe it was meant to be this way, and actually they were working together that way. Um, but to me, watching it, it was just not satisfying. Uh, follow that up, Matt Mikowski. Hedy Coronaru, Cor- Coron- ah, I cannot say this, Coronaru, Coronawi, um, French fighter wearing uh, some uh, some um, battle arts colored trunks. Um, this fight was, for me, athleticism, match to match, the best kind of uh, matchup on the show. And I would love to see these guys like really go at it. I would love to see an actual shoot between these two. Um, but also at the same time, like, you know, shoot style, you get a lot more fun and a lot more flash like we get here. But, yeah, these guys were really matched up with each other really well. This was a match where there could be some dick measuring that makes sense because these guys really do think – it does really feel like, like, who's who's going to get a piece of who, who's, like, the legit, like – better fighter between the two that's why i say like I'd, I'd love to see the the kind of the limits taken off a little bit this was a lot of fun for me um i thought it was the perfect length and i thought that it was uh it was done super well um yeah and this is yeah in that conversation where i would say like this was one of the best fights on the night for me as far as i was concerned what did you guys think yeah uh right 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 there with you something that uh i, I trust matt Mikowski in, in settings like these so uh, he wasn't someone that I was too worried about, and uh, and uh, Kyro Kyro has uh, he I've I've enjoyed him. I've seen him. I've seen I've seen him a few. I've seen him a few times here and there. Uh, worked where well, he's worked I W I W R G plenty of times. Um, and he and he and he and he's solid. Uh, but I de- I definitely enjoyed what Matt brought to the table here, and I would like to see these two uh go go at go at it again. Um. It, 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 I think I think for me, uh, the grap the grappling on Bloodsport, uh, it starts it, start, it starts all blending in a lot. 
and when I don't think that most people on the show are particularly good grapplers, I think, um, you know, that's what makes a, a show like this, uh, you know, it makes it really hard for it to stand out. Uh, because like you are, because when you come when you come to this and it's like yeah like the not the novelty is cool and everything, but when I'm trying to pick out what made this match uh better other than like just like a, like just an execution standpoint, it, it it does it does get harder to uh to point out unless you're putting down like real tangible notes on on everything uh on on what made what uh different. And I wish I wish that there were uh, like these show these shows had a little bit more diversity in terms in terms of talent here because I think you know and obviously they're just doing this shit for like because uh, you know what's unique is it's its own brand and there's a market for it but I really wish that uh, if they keep if they're gonna keep bring, bringing uh, bringing stuff bringing stuff like this that they would kind of diversify the kind of talents that they're bringing in here. Well, it is interesting to think about because we, we were having a bit of a chat earlier in the Slack chat that uh, Dan is not part of for some reason um, about the idea of like Brock Lesnar not leaving WWE, right? But think about Bloodsport if Matt Riddle doesn't get signed to WWE because Bloodsport was the Matt Riddle thing, right? So where would we be at because Josh Barnett's version idea of what bloodsport is is very different than what Matt Riddle's idea of what bloodsport is right so when you talk about the sameness and and who gets through and who's allowed and who who has enough of a brown belt <laughs> to be on the shows um comparatively like i think that Matt Riddle has a definitely different idea of that as opposed to to what Josh Barnett sees so it is interesting to think about like that idea, like you were just talking about, like there is some sameness, there is some definite repetitiveness. This match, I don't think is is quite there, and I talked about it earlier. Like Matt Mikowski in this setting is very different than Matt Mikowski in the the pro wrestling setting. Against Priest, he was playing up the being the MMA guy. Against Hetty, he was playing up being the wrestler guy. It was it was it was very interesting. Uh, Dan, what did you think about this match and? And what do you think about what the kind of the idea of what I just mentioned? There? Yeah, I, I think you nailed it on the head. Like that, uh, there was a lot of sameness that um, that Quinn mentioned. Um, I think Mikowski is super creative. Yeah, and and that's what kind of makes him stand out from a lot of the people on the show that we'll go into in the next couple matches. Because um, he did throw in like a Minoru Tanaka like flying armbar. He did a really cool kind of like Bret Hart style. Like it was basically the SummerSlam 91 finish um, where he set up a sharpshooter from his back, but he did it from, yeah. he like pulled pulled back into a, a leg lock and then turned it into a sharpshooter. So, uh, and then his finish is, is a chaos theory into that throwing arm bar, which I think is just dope as hell. So um, like for me, this was like the spot fest on the show where like yeah. these guys just like, through all of like the tricks that they knew and tried to have the flashiest kind of match that they could. Whereas a lot of the guys on the show was a lot more rudimentary and, and basic grappling and their high spots weren't quite as flashy, which, uh, you know, like for better or worse, like if we had 10 matches like this and this would get tiresome too. But these guys I thought stood out and had a nice little match on the card because, because they were different from everyone else. 
Yeah, and Hedy Carl Wee would be a very interesting guy if he could get out of Mexico at this point. Honestly, I hate to say that, but just especially now that people are getting into like the 60s and 70s French catch stuff, and he's like, he's kind of the, he could play up the modern French catch wrestler, right? And he could do more high spots and, and intriguing things mixed off of that with his background. Would would definitely be a guy who I think could get some play if he was wrestling in places where that people were paying attention to. Um, follow that up. Bad Dude Tito versus Victor Benjamin, the Savage Gentleman. A guy who doesn't belong on the card. I'm sorry, I did not say that. Um, Quentin, I, what do you think? Here's the thing: we've we've reviewed, we've reviewed these shows. Like I've been super complimentary of Bad Dude Tito, like on on yeah. on on the show on the shows that we've watched here, and just here versus Victor Benjamin is just not interesting at all here. Like just like it's complete, it's completely bland. And that same kind of like uh, that kind of like freak show aspect that like Super Beast or Bad Dude Tito brings to these blood sport shows that like you know they're maybe the more interesting guys uh in 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 this setting that we usually that we usually have both of those guys who i think who are more who are some of the more interesting dudes that blood that blood sport usually uses they just kind of got bogged down by something i thought was like either weird in in the case of in, in the case of super beast and bad Ducito just got stuck in a just got stuck yeah. in a really un, 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 un interesting an interesting match here and I really like the dude. Yeah. I really do. I really do enjoy him. So it was very much a disappointment to throw this on and get to and get to this match and be like, ah man, like all the things that I like about Bad Dutito were just like, kind of not happening here for some reason. Well, yeah, like I said, it's it's just he's wrestling a a, a boring guy. I mean, you know, whatever. Quentin or Daniel, what do you think of this? Yeah, this one didn't do a ton for me. I thought both of them had decent looking strikes actually which would have been interesting if that was a route that they went instead of just kind of falling into standard grappling. Um, but neither guy really has a personality that, that sticks out to me. And, and, and so that's why it, it never really hit. Uh, I thought that's the finish insane. was good. That's such an insane thing for me to hear someone say about Tito, because, you know, being a Southern California person, I've seen Tito for the past like 20 years wrestling and he is so he has a personality i'll say he has a character that that when you're in the room with him is like jumps off the page so god damn it's it's it really is an indictment of this setting of how boring it can make someone that you see him and you just think that he's boring i'm sorry yeah. for interrupting no that's fair that's fair yeah i i have no no history with him and he just didn't really connect with me uh like i said i, I thought the finish was good i thought both guys had decent looking strikes um and it wasn't that it was only like four minutes so it wasn't yeah. you know that egregious but yeah it, it didn't really stand out as being particularly notable for me and 20 years is obviously me being a, a hyperbolic so people don't correct me um follow this up we've got el hijo de american balloon simon grimm this guy needs to do something about those pecs um against uh Dude, someone who Quentin, or jacked. daniel <laughs> has uh has uh, experience with um, Alexander James, confirmed super worker. Um, I guess, you know what, Daniel, what do you think of this match? Let's start out with you. On paper, I expected to hate this match. It was probably my second favorite match of the show behind the main event. Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> yeah. I cannot explain it. I, I thought it was 
the most interesting um, kind of mix of styles where they incorporated pro wrestling styles. Like, AJ's not going to light anyone's world on fire with his shoot style, but, like, he was doing some cool little combos. Like, he body slammed him and went straight to a rear naked choke. He did a doctor bomb and transitioned that into a Boston Crab. Like, it was a pro wrestler fighting within the confines of Bloodsport. And I thought it was interesting. I also thought they were some of the only guys who actually incorporated some more traditional pro wrestling psychology and that Grim was constantly working to the double wrist lock, the Kimura from side control, and AJ was fighting out of it, and they had these kind of back and forth tussles with it. And then finally it, it built to him hitting a really nice butterfly suplex and floating over, finally getting the position, finally getting the hold locked in. And I thought it was just a nice logical build and it so over exceeded my expectations by a million percent. I cannot begin to explain how much more I like this match than I expected that I would. Quentin, let's let's hear your thoughts. No, I mean I, I can't I can't disagree with him here. Um maybe not as high on it, but um I would say Alexander James brought something Interesting here that Simon Grimm's other Bloodsport, uh, Bloodsport appearances have not brought in. We on the show we've been <laughs> super critical of Simon Grimm, yeah, and uh, not really enjoying his uh, forays post WWE in general, but especially here in this setting. I think even being disappointed in his Tom Lawler stuff in MLW, uh, just not someone that I uh, that I wanted to like and just have not been able to be uh, super enthused by him in his, in his actual performances. But, yeah, I think right here with Alexander James incorporating more pro-style stuff, I think that showed us what Simon Grimm is probably more comfortable with. I think in this kind of idea that Simon Grimm is this, like, uh, you know, uh, I guess, like, competent level, catch-as-catch-can kind of guy, I think he's out of his depth and can get, and can get a little... Uh, overexposed but I think when in there with someone who really is more pro style based that does make that does make Grimm and what he does look a little bit better yeah I mean when it came down to that like you've got the prince of pro here he knows how to he knows how to put together pro wrestling style matches um and he really was you're right about like that you were doing something here that like had that mix of of still giving like storytelling um and I, I don't know if i would clearly say that it was my number two match of the night but definitely in the conversation it could be like two or three range um very solid and simon grimm has been has been disappointing as far as we've been concerned in in blood sport up until this point but this was definitely one of his best performances coming through here and and alex alex james is very good um and a guy who can show that he can adapt to pretty much any setting at this point it's just it's yeah i just i i think i recently saw a beyond match that was like pretty like kind of a bummer from james but otherwise i mean i've i've seen almost nothing from him that i did not really like um follow that up we've got uh former guest of the podcast royce isaacs in the rematch the rubber match between a, a match that me and quentin both really loved the the first match against uh alex coglin um and when you talk about yeah like guys who are 
really, really built to wrestle each other. I think these guys uh, are perfect for each other, honestly. Um, I thought that they come out here and they look like this evenly matched, like, really fucking riled up, ready to go at it from the bell. I thought that when you talk about, like, a match having high spots and, I mean, I thought that they did a really good job of having wrestling high spots. I mean, there's a fucking vertical suplex in here. There's a, uh, like, almost a, uh, a pile, like a tombstone pile driver that's converted into, like, a kind of a suplex slam. Like, I thought there was a lot of really good high spots in this match. So you want to talk about, like, stuff that has, like, spot fest, high spots. Like, I I thought they did a great job here. Mixing some big throws in with also some like contentious grappling back and forth. Um, that said, I, I would not say that I wouldn't like say that this was better than the Alexander James Grimm match at all. But I would say that like I wouldn't say that the reason why it's better is that that it didn't have like pro wrestling high spots or whatever. Because I thought that there was some good high spot wrestling in here. Um, I will also say that this was the sexiest match of the night. These guys are both really fucking hot, so that is part of it. I'm not going to like. I'm not going to shy away from mentioning that. Quentin, what did you think of this match? Uh, not not as good as the match on Bloodsport Five. Um, I did I did enjoy that significantly more, but I still echo echo most of that and thought that um, in terms of. The grappling may be my favorite on the show in terms of, like, the actual, like, in-betweens from, like, the start and then the finish and however they, like, decide, decide to, get to get to the finish. There's a certain uh, grittiness between these two that I appreciate. Uh, and... There's, like, chippy. This word that I that you and Quentin have, or Simon have used, chippy, that I think yeah. applies to this. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that, um... That definitely strong, strongly applies here. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say better than the Graham versus versus James match either. And I do think this was the lesser of their uh, two efforts on um, on the on these on on Bloodsport. But I, 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 I still enjoyed this. Uh, sorry if I got sidetracked. I was reading um, a Ryback pro cop tweet. Oh my god. Quentin, read this tweet. I have to hear this. We love our cops, our law enforcement. Yes. uh, Please. Yes. We need to. We need. Hold on. This. I'm going to make sure. This is Ryback. Want to make sure this is definitely Ryback. Okay. We need to support. (laughs) We we need to. We need to support cops more. The risk they take day in and day out for law and order is so underappreciated. I'm thankful for them. As without them, there is all out (sighs) chaos. Prayer hands. It's true. It's true. I, 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 I know I, that if cops I'm, didn't exist, I would be outside just killing and stealing nonstop. Just, di- just dick out, robbing people. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, Daniel, so, <laughs> you live in a country where you don't venerate the police as if they're uh, heroes. What do you think about this uh, match? Yeah, typically we we don't we, we have. I mean, you've got issues here too. But um, what was I gonna say? Uh, this match was good. These guys worked like a really hard clip. Like Coglin ran to the ring and was like, "Let's fucking do this." I love him. I love him. Yeah, that was that was a that cool was... little touch. And like they worked a really hot hot uh, match. Um, I agree with you, uh, Tim, that there was some some cool 
suplexes in there. There was a fisherman buster in there that was cool. Yeah. Um, I thought Isaac you were going to agree like, with me that they're both very sexy, but okay. Uh, you know what? I'm, I will full on admit that I noticed that both guys have, like are obviously doing their squats because they both had yes. uh, ample posteriors, I will say. <laughs> um, and the, in, in a good way. You could tell that they're they're putting in the work, so good for them. Um yeah, Isaac's through that like it's like an old UWF move, like it's like a back body, like kind of throw where you have the guy. It's almost like a counter to like a pile driver or a power bomb. You like hold him tight to your body and then you kind of like fly down with him. I don't even know yeah. what to to call it. I call it like a back body drop throw, I guess. But um, so yeah, I love. I like. I can just picture like Minoru Suzuki and like. Um, uh what's his face um uh why am i having a brain fart on suzuki's like contemporary in, oh, uh, Funak- funaki funaki, funaki. Yeah. it's something funaki did all the time um uh yeah and then the finish uh was an obvious nod to jimmy rave uh because it was the uh, the heel hook half half crab that he used to use as a finish back in the day in ring of honor so um but yeah i actually i love that that finish so yeah it was a cool match yeah. it was uh i haven't seen their previous matches i had heard that their, their previous matches had been the highlight on some of the more recent shows but i hadn't seen any of those shows um but this made me want to check them out especially if they're apparently superior to this one so yeah so we follow this up um with the match of the night allison k masha slamovich you know um, you skipped one yeah that was meant to be intentional um, but yeah. oh, we don't we don't talk Super we Beast. don't talk about him. Is, is that what I don't is? like to. It was that was meant to be kind of a joke, but yeah. The uh, why the fuck say, did why the uh, I'm not why? Gonna, I'm not gonna mention his fuck. I'm not gonna mention his name. Why the I don't want to say it. Why the fuck did he just start biting his boot? What why is he on the show? Because he's because he's a monster. He doesn't know how to, like, what the fuck. He doesn't know civilization. Yeah. Um, it would have almost Christ. worked if it, if he was wearing like shooters with uh with um. Yeah, he was wearing actual wearing... wrestling boots. That but he was does, wearing really boots. Work. Yeah, so it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, I love the I love the commentary trying to cover up for the fucking scar tissue. Like, I I really there... like it was like the Go commentary ahead. made it not impressive because they were like, yeah, when you have a bunch of scar tissue, you just start bleeding. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay, cool. So I don't care. Yeah, the, the other thing was he uh, there was a nice camera cut, but it, it was very obvious that he was reaching for his blade uh, in his in his wrist tape. Uh, yeah. He bladed before taking a back suplex and then came yeah. up bleeding, which I just love the it's, lack of logic. It's, not, logic it's also just like, come the fuck on, dude. Like, we watched, like, the, the main event, and, like, they went out there and, like, actually gave, like, gave each other the elbows and yes. everything. So I was like, come, come on, like, oh, like... I'm not advocating for that shit, you know. Like I like I was like you know like even like the like the kind of like the famous like Lesnar versus uh versus Ro- versus Roman Randy Reigns Orton. and Lesnar versus Orton and like the big gash. Yeah. I'm like I get it. Like that's not like the most safe thing to sit there and endorse either. But like almost as a deathmatch guy, it's like all right, dude. What what, what are we doing here? Well, uh, this I, oh, I did like the fact that Go. they just they just threw like big mean guy straight punches as well. I don't know. I thought it was a nice change of pace. It only went two minutes. Uh, you don't have to talk about it any further. Though. It was uh, fucking horseshit, especially when you think about the main event because the main event did double juice. So if you're gonna do any juice, save it for the fucking main event. They the should have changed. They should have had... saved it for the main. Yeah. 
You also had biting as a, a part of the finish of the main event. You had, like, the tease of the fucking biting with the referee having to tell them to stop. So it's just, like, everything about this match was... Te- so the only thing that I can think of is if this was not intentional because you're building to something where, the, you know, it's supposed to intersect with the main event... Then this was just completely fucking stupid. Well, like because all you did was undercut the main event. Well, well, the, well, the I guess like in the chat, like yeah, the thing that uh, Brock Brock at the rise was maybe um they're trying to like build him up to be uh Nikki Nikki's first challenger. So like I I guess I don't know because like the whole Ricky Shane Page thing is done. But at the same time, if you're gonna like build him up because you need like a new big bad in the company. Why not fuck have him fucking hit Super Beast over the head with a with a beer bottle or some shit? Like you can like, do anything else, but like I you said, do you undercut literally anything else. You undercut two big parts of the main event, which was that the main event was a bloodbath where they got double juice, and the main event also had biting as part of teasing to leading into the finish. So it's just like, why would you do both things here if you? We talked about it earlier with, like, agenting and actually, like, not making things intersect. It's like, they really undercut the main event. So the only reason why it makes sense is if Barnett booking, putting things together, actually was intentionally setting this up to mirror the main event so that you could, like, lead into the the comparisons. Otherwise, it was fucking, like, very stupid to do this because you just completely undercut like what made the main event stand out but it didn't matter because john moxley is untouchable like any setting he's going to be perfect but i don't know for me i wouldn't have risked it i wouldn't have like put put like the the chance that this could undercut the specialness of the main event and it didn't because this was fucking bullshit and it sucked anyways moving on Allison K, Marsha Slamovich. I got a report from the building that Masha Slamovich got dropped on her fucking head and then went behind a dumpster to puke after this match, so clearly got some kind of a concussion. Allison K, I've actually been a fan of hers like for a while. I I I like the Sienna run in, in Impact. I think that she's like gritty, brutal. She can definitely sell like a high impact fight. But, again, this was another one that just, like, went kind of long, really didn't have much there, and just, I, I, I don't know. Dan, did you think much of this? Uh, it, it was kind of, kind of by the numbers for me. It didn't, didn't do a ton for me. Uh, I thought uh, Allison K hit a nice Saito suplex in it, and I thought she had a really slick transition to the triangle choke with the palm thrust for the finish, which was, I thought was an original finish. So I like the finish, uh, but otherwise it, it really didn't do a ton for me. It, uh, this was one where I was start, starting to kind of think, okay, this show is, this show is running a little long. <laughs> yeah. And Quentin, did you think much of this? Uh, no, I think I've said before, I think I've said before on here, like, I like Allison. I her in this setting. I just, it's not, it's not really, it does, does, doesn't really do it for me. Uh, hasn't hasn't done it for, hasn't done it for me. Uh, any any of these times. Uh, going back like the Bloodsport. Uh, women's women's tournament. Uh, 
and and, and her coming over, and her coming back here, and everything. I I like her. I really I really do want to enjoy these matches more, but uh, yeah, it, it just leaves more to be desired and doesn't do much and doesn't do much in the way of standing out. I mean, like cool. Th- I mean, click a couple a couple of cool throws, I guess, but like nothing no, no, nothing really to talk about. Yeah, and follow this up with a match with a a guy who has become a talking point in the Slack chat as being like a test tube uh, a test tube experiment who I've been a fan of actually for a while with Yoya um, going up against Leo Rush. I really liked this match. I thought um, they went they probably went a little bit too long comparatively. It was like the third longest match on the show. Um, but even still I thought that they did a really good job of like using the time. I thought that it was dynamic. Um, I thought that they went from kind of position to position really well in a, in a super believable way. Um, but also mixing in some pro wrestling like personality. I think that Leo Rush in this setting, Leo Rush is not overthinking things and is actually being a better pro wrestler in a shoot style setting than he has been in pro wrestling matches recently because he's like in pro wrestling matches he's trying to be too fucking over the top and if he just kind of was did this more often he would be much better um but yeah i i thought that yoya was like a perfect opponent for him um in this setting and i thought that yoya really got to show off what makes him someone who i think has potential yoya is very definitely like a a, a hardcore me type of dude who has potential to be like a guy that I, I'm going to get very into. I think that he's believable. He's legitimate. He sells super well. Um, and I just, I get into what he has, what he like kind of his offense is selling everything that he does. His personality really works for me. Um, but yeah, Daniel, what did you think of this match? I thought this was really fun. Um, this is a situation where you can tell that both guys have, um, Good amateur backgrounds. Yeah, Le- yeah. Leo's Leo. Just, yeah, Leo in particular has a real uh, strong background. Yeah, and I, I knew I knew that, and I knew that's something that not a lot of people necessarily knew or recognized. But I thought it was very obvious in their movements here. Um, the other thing is because these guys are both so quick and fast, um, they can do. You know, like I would say of all the matches they probably plan the most out of anyone on this show as far as you know put together high spots in a in a true pro wrestling context but none of it looked forced uh or like predetermined really for for the most part because they're so quick that they can they can get away with it and they can they can just really execute so so smoothly so um yeah, I thought they had some really cool transitions, some really cool high spots. Um, Leo hit a really nice overhead belly to belly. There was a couple goofy things, like when Yoya backflipped him out of the ring. I didn't really get that, and it was really set up. Uh, and then I'm not gonna harp on a guy because I'm. I guess I have done the same thing. But the finish was straight up a Spanish fly uh, into a side <laughs> choke, and. Uh, I saw no one talking about this online, and so I saw someone ha- call out the 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 Leo Rush um, shoot 
Spanish fly. I saw to be fair, not as much shit. Not as much shit as Dana Nation. Oh, no, God. Yes. <laughs> but, and, yeah. yeah. And it's it's funny because I saw someone mention it ahead of time as just something that they thought Leo Rush would be likely to pull off. And I may have DM'd this person and said, I hope he does it so he gets the heat off of me. And he did it, and no one talked about it. <laughs> so, um, but honestly, again, I, I did it, and I don't really care. I thought that they did it pretty pretty smoothly here. So, yeah. No, this was the most uh, – this was maybe the most dynamic and, and one of the more interesting matches on the show. And I'd like to see these guys have a straight match too in a, in a yeah. non-shoot style setting. I think it would be really good. Oh yeah, I think has has a ton of potential. Yeah. I think I I don't I think he can go down the wrong path though. I, I don't oh, want yeah. to see him get sucked in to the GCWs of the world. I I think I think uh there's there's a, a path that, that will lead to him uh having better better habits and better tendencies. And so I hope that he uh he chooses the right path because I think he's got a ton of potential. Uh, it was well, it, it was I want to say it was funny to uh to talk about uh the and not to get into it again because you you know when we did when we talked about it before when we did our uh year year, 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 year retrospect for you uh you gave a real impassioned defense about it but it was just funny to sit there and uh remember this uh this Spanish fly in the Yoya versus Leo Rush match and I was watching this uh this random battle art show from uh from 1997 yesterday. And I get to the um, uh, Atsuka versus Akeda main event, and obviously Atsuka is like you know known for uh, for Duke's you know, for implementing more like pro pro style stuff. But then also in earlier, you also had um, Akuto Hidaka versus uh, versus uh, like Masa like uh, Mas- Masuro Okamoto or some shit, and he does a, a, a spring springboard moonsault. I'm just sitting there like man. A Spanish fly really wouldn't be that out of place in 1997 battle no. arts, but like, no. but like, but like, but like, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> no, because it's everyone who thinks about shoot style, all they think about is rings or UWFI. Like when people talk about shoot style, they really only think about rings, honestly, and they don't even think about like battle arts or UWFI as much. So when you see anything cool. They just think like that would never happen in rings, and it's just like oh, fuck God. off. Like that's not oh. all of shoot style, you know. Yoshihisa uh. Yoshihisa Yamamoto would never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just like yeah, that that's the real problem when it comes down to it for the people who pretend like they're purists, who actually probably have seen fucking half of all of the shoot style stuff that's available. And then honestly, you know what, Quentin. Why are you getting me all worked up? Tim, we don't have time for this. You're we don't have allowed, time. Let's, you're not allowed to judge on. shoot style if you haven't watched, like, World of Sport. Because fuck off if you don't understand that, like, most of World of Sport is basically just shoot style. You know, like, ah, I'm so annoyed. Anyways. Dave, Davey Boy Smith versus KCB. Uh, Please. No, no, show- no, but I wanted to say, I wanted to say before we move on. You you were giving credit to uh, Leo for having his amateur background, but Yoya is a black belt and has had multiple amateur MMA fights, so he also has a very legitimate background as well. So don't don't sell Yoya short. He is legit too. Anyways, KTB um, DB DB. Ah, I'm DBS. trying to think of how to do bulldog. <laughs> yeah, DBS DBSJ. DBSJ. Yeah. DBSJ. Um, 
God damn, KTB is not big when it comes to wrestling an actual big guy. No, no, dude. It's not that he's not big. Davy Boy is a gigantic human being. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like, like this dude. I, like, it's always funny. If, like when you like look at WWE guys or like former WWE guys, like we just talked about with Juice and how like big Juice looks um, on this sub show. And it's like that was like a thing that stood out to me when I I saw um, uh, Drew Galloway um, on an Evolve show. And Drew is like Drew's a fucking giant guy. Drew's like six six or whatever, yeah. right? But Drew won't evolve. Like dude, my, dude might as dude might as well be fuck uh, like be fucking uh like Drake Kali or something. Like like outside of the realms of WWE, where it said where at one point like the working height is like fucking like six four. Like yeah, like Drew Gall- like Drew Galloway and especially like you know a guy like Davy Davy Boy here facing K- facing KTB. Like it almost looks like it, like it's not even fair, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, this looks like a like a, a match that would not be sanctioned in most areas. You gotta, like, yeah, there's man, there's no way any athle- any athletic commission would sanction this fight. <laughs> there's yeah, no exactly. way. But yeah, but but KTB is not small, really. But but yeah, we get into this as. Uh, Davy Boy Smith comes to the ring. Who does he give a big, uh, a big old handshake clap to? None other than uh, the the man of the weekend, Teddy Teddy Hart. Uh, and as oh, he hits him, he there's a there. big cloud. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, there's all of this stuff, and this like, why is he there? Cancel, blah blah blah. And a lot of people are not talking about the fact that fucking Davy Boy Smith gives him a big ass fucking hand clap on his way to the ring. You know, uh. like. Because that's, family, I mean, it's his guess, cousin. But, it's yeah. family, sure. Yeah, but like, you know, when people are talking about why did Teddy Hart not get kicked out of GCW, well, the reason why is because one of their fucking wrestlers is his cousin, and he is not saying kick him out. So I understand why you get, like, you know, into it and you want to argue and fight and all this stuff, and I totally get that it's cool that, uh, you know, the rejects. Um, John Wade Murnock kicks him out and says he's going to fuck him up and I'm into it and Danny DeMonto says fuck Teddy Hart and all this stuff but GCW really couldn't tell him to leave because one of their wrestlers one of their top wrestlers on one of their big shows is his cousin and gave him a hand clap on the way to the ring so they can't tell him to leave like he's you know it's not the same situation I understand and I think that probably people need to talk to Davey about not doing this stuff. And there's the picture with Davey and Teddy and Dickinson and, and Teddy's girlfriend. And that went around on the internet. Anyways, the match itself, the match itself was like, whatever. Like I've never seen KTB get worked over like this before. I don't know. Have you ever seen this? Like KTB was like just fucking big brother, like a motherfucker. Daniel. I thought, I thought it was I thought it was fun for what it was because it's like the yeah. novelty of you don't see KTB just kind of get his shit kicked in like that ever. Like, sure. I, I thought I thought for that reason, and um, I think Davey because of his size and his physique makes his makes his uh his pro style spots and his and his matches look really natural. So when he does a power bomb, uh, out of yeah. no out of nowhere here, like yeah, I completely can buy that because Davey can look like looks like he could just fuck around if this was an actual fight and just lift the dude up like that just because he wanted to. And just power run the shit out of him. 
Yeah. But Daniel, would you what, what would you think about like okay, we could talk about this match, but what would you think about like doing something like working in this setting with David Boy Smith Jr. because he's big and he's aggressive, but like should he really kill you with a power bomb? I don't know. What do you think? Uh he's so can confirm I've been on shows with him. He's a gigantic man. He's he's huge. Uh, KTB is not particularly tall and has leaned down quite a bit in the last year or two. So, um, sure. hence the the gigantic size discrepancy. Um, I will say from the Bloodsport shows that I've seen, I'm pretty sure I've seen Baby Boy win multiple matches with that power bomb. Like it's a pretty yeah. protected move. So, I think it's it's kind of cool that you have like a guy who he has a catch background and he obviously trains with Barnett and their buddies. But he is first and foremost a pro wrestler, and so he uses a pro wrestling move as his like deadly protected finisher. I think. Well, who that's invented the fine. power bomb? Uh, well, Luthes did Luthes, in, a, in right, an accident. Yeah. 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 So, um, but what was I going to say? Uh, I don't particularly want to wrestle Davy Boy in a in a bloodsport style match because uh, I mean, for the most part, like even even his match with Josh Alexander, if I recall from. Uh, from the October show, they they kind of tend to lean into the realm of being squashes. Like yes, yes, yes. He's yeah. he's he. I don't know if it's him or if it's how they want to book him, but his his matches are all super one sided and uh, and good for Davy Boy. But I, I mean, this was just kind of what it was. You know, it was quick yeah. and uh, and it, it you know kept him strong. So, but that's about it. Yeah, but, like, who... That's the weird thing, because the only person who comes close to being as protected as Davy Boy in Bloodsport is, like, Josh Barnett, right? So it's just, it's very odd that Davy Boy is so protected in Bloodsport. And then, like, what else does he do? They don't... He's, he's not wrestling anywhere else. It's very odd. It's very odd to me. Follow this up with a uh, a big dream match, Mex Warrior, Chavo Guerrero, uh, Junior, I guess, versus uh, Rocky Romero, Black Tiger, Azucar. Um, I saw I don't know if I saw like negativity on this, but a little bit. But like these guys, I thought really brought it here. Um, Chavo. You know, it's it's Chavo, but I've always been a fan of Chavo. Even from, like, when he did the crazy bullshit in WCW, I always was like, I actually think this guy is really good. You know, like, and I was I've been a big fan of like um, Chavo Senior as soon as I saw his stuff, and Rocky is another guy who I think is just like amazingly underrated for how good he is in any setting, let alone like shoot style settings. So. I thought that this was, like, executed really well, but at this point on the card, like, we've talked about enough, like, when things are just becoming very samey and a lot of the same, like, just grappling over and over again, I can definitely see getting bored by it, but I cannot see any argument for saying that this is bad. Both guys did a really great job here, and shoot-style stuff, like... I don't know, Daniel, we've talked about it in the past where, like, shoot-style stuff in these settings is, like, harder than working, like, an easy pro match. But at the same time, when you work, like, six minutes 
and you go through something like this, like, I can't imagine that this is, like, like, really a hard night out. Like, I don't know. Maybe, like, school me on that. Because it feels like, to me, on, on as far as I'm concerned, this seems like it would be relatively easy. But at the same time, as you've talked about, like, in situations like this where you go out there and you grapple and you're actually, like, struggling for stuff, it's, like, a little bit harder than just doing, like, an easy wrestling match. Uh, typically it's, it's more intense, but it's, it's shorter, right? So it's, it's just a short burst of energy and, you know, you need to kind of keep, it's a sprint versus, you know, most, most wrestling matches, although sprints do exist in, in a traditional pro style match, obviously, um, there's, there's a little bit more pacing yourself and, and building to things, right? So, uh, I mean, it's, it's a different skill set. It's, I mean, I think it can be just as hard or, or harder, but pro matches, you know, typically involve more bumps. They typically involve, you know, they're longer. So you need to have a, kind of a longer kind of style cardio to go for it. So it, it's just a different skill set. Uh, I, I agree that this match, I thought, kind of suffered from just being, you know, the 10th match on a 12 match card and being kind of samey. I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was pretty good. And I thought Java looked good considering I, I don't know what kind of, you know, history he has doing the style. Um, but, I, you know, I thought I thought it was good. Just just a little bit repetitive. I thought the finish was really cool, though. He like hit a Northern Lights bomb and it looked pretty brutal. Um, but other than that, it was just kind of a, a nice little mix of pro wrestling and submissions and kind of an exhibition back and forth between these two guys. Yeah, and it is like you have to give dabs to a dude who's working his first shoot style match in his fifties. You know what I mean? Like, and again, it's like it's good, and he's a pro wrestling legend. He's from a legendary family in the history of pro wrestling, and he's been wrestling since he was a child, and he's in his fifties. But still, it's your first time doing a shoot style match, and and motherfucker goes for the three amigos in a shoot setting, which is I have to give him fucking major props for that. But Quentin, what did you think of the match? Oh yeah, I think this was better than I expected. Um, I still, I still continue to want more from, uh, from Rocky in these settings because I know that Rocky like has at least like some level of that kind of training from from the from the LA dojo. But yeah. like I guess Rocky's also up there at age two, so I uh, probably should like detach myself from like those kind of expectations I may have of him, despite how highly I may think of Rocky. Uh, yeah, but a super emphatic finish. A finish that definitely stands out within the context of the show, and I think will stand out uh, on any of these blood sport shows on how Chavo just picked him up and uh, and, and 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 drop and drop Rocky on his head there. But yeah, I, I still don't get why Chavo was on the show. Like, I don't think he he added anything in particular to it. I wouldn't. He's not someone I would want to see again necess, necessarily. But for what for but for what this was, I. I don't think that this, uh, as far as like temp, like my tempered expectations that were already kind of low, I, I mean, it, 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 exceed, it exceeded that, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because Rocky is pretty much the the last surviving wrestling wrestler from the Guerrero family. So, I can't argue with the idea of him wrestling on any show, you know, realistically, because I would... I. I don't want the Guerrero family to just die. <laughs> you know, I, if you can get them on the show, get them on the show. That's good. Um, like you said, I don't necessarily know that I want him on, like, 
blood sports more but i don't hate it you know it's and if it works for him it works for him but it fucking sucks to think that the guerrero family line is probably over at this point there's not really anyone left in the family line that's going to continue wrestling um and that's a fucking bummer because it's a legendary family in wrestling um follow this up we've got uh Shane Mercer, the Iron Beast, going up against Chris Dickinson and in the Billy Robinson tights. He is representing the, the Snake Pit. Um, at this point, he's very firmly a Josh Barnett guy. He's a Tom Lawler guy. He's a, a Violence Unlimited guy. It's very weird to see Chris Dickinson become the face of so many things that I've been so so in bed for for so many years um this match itself was fine dan what did you think of this what did you think of uh mercer versus dickinson and actually dan uh, uh, are you a uh oh quentin did you have something to say i mean no not not much here i mean it's just two like be like you know be, beefy strong muscle bound guys going out there and uh i, I like the kind of urgency that they uh wrestle with a uh, kind of uh ener- 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 energetic and uh and shifty along with uh you know the power and uh strength that you would expect from two jock bully guys again nothing super interesting because at this point in the show it's like all right guys please just like end this fuck end this fucking thing but again like like on a shorter show i wouldn't mind seeing this again yeah on one of the the like blood sport shows that we just recently reviewed yeah. This would have been one of the better matches on there. Uh, Dan, what did you think about this? Yeah, I, I agree this was good. Uh, again, too late on the show. Um, I have to correct you in that Dickinson's tights are, are 100% a nod to Nobuhiko Takada uh, in his purple gear from the UWFI, okay. like okay. the 90s era. Um, I definitely remember seeing him post post about that when he got made. Um I thought they told a pretty good story with like Mercer being kind of in over his depth, over his head as far as technique goes. But obviously he's a power guy, and so he, you know, he found his way out of things by a power in, in a couple cool little spots. Um, the one thing that I thought was kind of dumb is that Mercer straight up power bomb Dickinson, uh, you know, which in theory is is a protected move that the baby yeah. boy, boy used to knock out KTB two matches earlier and Dickinson just straight up no sold it fired up hit a couple big suplexes and and immediately finished him like it was it felt weird uh and just like uh, a poor choice of maybe give him something else that he can no sell not this this move that should be protected uh by Davey Bo- you know as, as Davey yeah. Boy's big move so um that that kind of stood out to me a little bit but but overall I thought it was a pretty good match so no. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with you on everything you just said. Um, let's go into match of the weekend, boys. Let's uh let's talk about the biggest star in all of wrestling. Um, uh, I guess Dan, what do you think about uh, Josh Barnett versus John Moxley? Uh, I mean, like I said earlier, if it's not match of the weekend, it's it's top two or three. Like I have it up there with 
uh, Sasha Banks versus um, uh, why I'm having Belair. a brain fart on her name, Bianca Belair. Thank you. Uh, and a match that I meant to mention earlier, but I but I didn't. But if, I'm sure you guys have watched. But if you haven't yet, Kevin Koo versus Daniel Garcia yeah. from yes. Family Reunion. Um, yeah. Though those are those are my three top matches of the weekend. Um, and yeah, I thought this was really good. It was like the the exchanging and the grappling was was just really basic but it was well worked and smart and like i said it's it's moxley's charisma that really makes the difference uh the difference in that it's so much more engaging from stuff on on the undercard uh and, and also like Moxley can Moxley can hang and barnett is obviously super high level yeah. when it comes to that sort of stuff um so yeah that kind of made the you know kind of the rising action uh more engaging than, than a lot of the other matches on this card and then it became like you know like a, a wild match where he ddts them and then knees them and that busts barnett open and then they're brawling out on the floor and Barnett answers with the elbows to bust Moxley open. And, and I, I just thought it just escalated really well. It was a super exciting, like 11, 12 minutes and it's larger than life personalities. And, and that's what, you know, all you can ask. It was like the perfect main event for the style for the show. And the one thing that we didn't really mention is, the miking of this, the crowd was fucking dog shit. Like you could tell that everyone was going fucking nuts for this match, and you could barely hear the audience over the the announcers. So that's something that GCW needs to work on. Obviously, they have issues when it comes to um, producing their shows. You know, they're no longer working with SmartMark. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that was kind of a, a downside to the entire show, but especially this main event, which I thought was a killer match that that really would have been put over if you could hear the the audience going nuts because you could tell they were going nuts so yeah it's very easy to to overlook the bad production the bad miking when it's matches where the crowd probably didn't give a shit and they weren't paying attention but then you get into a match like this where the crowd is definitely 100 percent into it and then the bad production because because you don't think that uh, quality workers who actually know how to do their job well are worth um, compensating for, um, you know, their expertise. Anyways, Quentin, I don't know about you, but uh, every job I've ever had in my life has been union, and uh, I always support the union. But uh, what did you think about this match? Uh, I, I, I think that. Uh what Dan said is on the money about uh, Moxley and like how much his uh, aura and presence lends to this match like to going over to a, going to the next level I think that yeah but I, as I said earlier I think Barnett has a very strong physical physical charisma as well uh, and I think with those two with those two guys who have such strong presences that yeah like the, like the grappling is basic but they add personality to it there's like a added intensity with their with their with their stare downs and how like uh and um you know little pot shots that they might take uh little like you know forearm grinds that they might do that like give that match like give the match more character than anything else on the show which is like a big part of that of this kind of style is like 
you have to like do little things that give the give that stuff flavor. If everything is going to be grappling and grappling and maybe a little bit of kicking and a throw and all this stuff, like you, there has to be something there that makes it different. And they saved it here for this for this main event spot and two guys with such uh, large amounts of physical charisma and uh, having and having something that actually feels intense uh, was very tangible. What was very tangible was very tangible watching this and talking talking about Juice and I talked about how how I could see him transla- translating any era. I'm watching Mox and while I think Mox could like work anywhere yeah. too, I was thinking of Mox and like man like Mox would have been cool. Maybe not you know because like everyone like you know the go the go to his rings and everything. But like I would have loved to see Mox and like 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 PWFG or 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 yeah. or, 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 or something like that. See that seems like that would have been a really good fit for him to see him. Uh, working with like a Yoshiaki Fujiwara back 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 in back in nineteen ninety three. Uh, you tell me that that John Moxley and Chris Colt would not be best buddies. Oh come on, come on! <laughs> they would they would love John Moxley would love him. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I I, I love this. Uh, probably my second favorite match of the of the weekend. Probably like a hair behind Sasha versus Bianca Belair. But like it's 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 neck and neck and like only a little bit sep sep separating those. But I adore I adored that match. Yeah, this is this is a brutal fucking violent fight. This is again, it's why I don't understand the bullshit with the super beast match. Because like like I said, the referee teased the, the DQ on the biting. Well I mean, why the fuck would you have a match that has a DQ on biting if you're going to tease biting DQ in this match. Why would you have juice on this show if you're going to do double juice in the main event? Like, I, I don't... It just... It really fucks me up, like, in my brain. Because they did the, they did this so perfectly. And we talked about it, like... If you're not this ridiculous nerd like me who knows who the fuck Josh Barnett is, and you watch this fight, and you're just like... Someone who's like into Josh or into John Moxley because of how charismatic he is. You watch this fight and you still you like you respect Barnett by the end of it because you like kind of get it through the story that's being told in this match. Like that's like part of part of what makes this match amazing is how well moxley's charisma star power everything that he does like is translated to this match and and you know if you're not a nerd who even knows who fucking josh barnett is because at this point at this point when was the last time that like josh barnett was actually relevant you know it's like five years ago like six years ago when was the last time that josh barnett had an mma fight that didn't get overturned because of uh some kind of pu pud like like hot piss situation um it's been a while so moxley is lending a lot of charisma to josh barnett at this point like if you're just a wrestling fan josh barnett hasn't worked like clean wrestling matches in a very long time so moxley is the star of the weekend there's like the big stars outside of outside of uh, WWE Moxley's the biggest star like outside of like WWE wrestling we talked about Sasha Banks earlier 
We've been talking about Sasha Banks. I don't know how much we want to get into this conversation right now, but like Sasha Banks is one of the biggest stars of wrestling. There's not a lot of stars in wrestling who are bigger than her. But outside of WWE, like Moxley is the biggest star in wrestling, right? Am I am I crazy to say that? Like Oh, no, not 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 at all. This at this point um it feels like, you know, the Kenny Omega has cooled off and Mox just has uh, kept that same level of hotness uh, throughout, especially with, you know, with his uh, non um, his non AEW appearances still like keep delivering and still uh, keep you interested because Mox is a guy that you want to see him face everybody. You want to see Mox face everybody from, you know, Kenny Omega, like, you know, like they're doing an AEW, but then you want to see him face Timothy Thatcher and Hideki Suzuki and you also want to see him face Nick Gage like they, like, like they yeah. set up a spring break so I think that um like that kind of uh I want to see Mox do anything uh uh feel is how a lot of is, is how a lot of people uh think about him and I think that's like like that definitely led to Mox being, you know, probably pretty undoubtedly the biggest non WWE star in the world. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Is Moxley the biggest non WWE star in the world? Uh, yeah, no, pretty, pretty hands down. Yeah, he's he's pretty, and he's Teflon too. He can basically do whatever the hell he wants. So, yeah. um, which I mean, he he's earned it. You know, he he puts in the work. He's an amazing. Uh, in-ring worker he's uh got the personality he can cut the promos and and yeah he's a superstar so if he wants to go wrestle for new japan or AEW or gcw or wherever the hell he wants to wrestle uh you know props to him uh and you know i'm he's someone who uh whose work i really enjoy watching he's got a level of believability and and realism in his work uh more so than uh most of his peers and so, yeah, as far as a, a mainstream major league wrestler goes, I think he's uh, he's a, a tippy top for sure. So, yeah. Well, uh, before we leave, is there anything else that either of you think people should go out of their way to check out from the weekend? Like I said, the Mysterious Q, JTG, uh, stuff from For the Culture. There's, there is definitely things worth checking out um one thing that i thought found very interesting from this weekend and quentin it reminded me of our first podcast i guess it wasn't our first podcast together but it was the first episode of psychology is dead where me and you talked about uh thatcher and his weekend over a wrestlemania weekend where he told a story where he was selling um the story throughout the entire weekend was someone who did a similar thing on this weekend was uh, Lee Moriarty with his right. back selling story that went throughout the entire weekend. So it's very interesting to think about that as something that maybe we should talk about later. But if there's any other things that like you guys think people should check out over the weekend stories, people who stand out, I mentioned my stuff. Mysterious Q is a guy who I think people should check out. Um, JTG, I think a guy who, I don't know, like maybe, maybe he's working for a, like a, trying to get back in a big spot, but he's definitely in a conversation for being one of the better wrestlers on the Indies right now. 
whatever you guys want to uh, call out from the WrestleMania weekend before we head out for the for the night. Um, Lee Moriarty versus Edith uh, Edith uh, Surreal, I thought was great. Uh, Edith had been someone I liked, but the mat but the matches weren't necess- weren't necessarily uh totally connect totally connecting for me. I thought she- I thought she was great in the uh in this more this Moriarty match, and I thought seeing uh Lee play a play a different role than he has for the most for, for the most uh, for the majority of time that like we that we've seen him um a little bit more the a little bit more the aggressor a little bit more the person in control and I, I would like to see more of that as uh Lee's IWT, IWTV uh title reign uh keeps keeps moving on I want I want to see that I want to see that side of him explored a little bit more I think he was very, I think he was very good at very good at it in the Edith match that's a great shout, especially when it comes to uh, Lee Moriarty's title run, because uh, his title run, he may need to prove some points, especially from some uh, some ghosts in his in his closet from past losses. Dan, you don't know anything about people who have beaten Lee Moriarty recently. Um, what do you think about the weekend, if anything, people need to talk about? Uh, yeah, Lee had a good weekend. Um, obviously, Garcia had a good weekend. Um, AJ Gray, we mentioned, we mentioned him had had some good matches. Uh, a match that I heard some people discussing as being really good, and I went back and watched myself because I wasn't there live. Was uh, John Wayne Murdoch versus Eric Ryan on the fourth and final ICW show from the weekend? That was probably the standout ICW match, I would say. Um, and uh, a uh, even uh, the the show that I was at, I, ICW, I saw a couple good matches. There was a good uh, Tony Deppen versus Garcia match. There was a Lee Moriarty versus Steve Madison, who's like an old Florida indie oh, worker. Yeah, oh yeah, that was yeah. that was really good too. Yeah, yeah nice. that was cool. Scoot Andrews was there and and set up a, a match down the line with Lee, which that that I'm looking forward to, which was was very cool. Um, so yeah, like uh, I, I I mean I, I'm gonna obviously lean towards the, the IWTV crowd. I thought they did a good job, and and their shows for the most part uh, were all quite good. And, uh, and well, to yeah. be fair, the reason why you lean towards the ITV, IT IWTV stuff is because that's the better stuff. Like you know, because you're a fan of good wrestling, so. You're going sure, to lean to the sure. better wrestling. Sure, we'll go with that. But yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, I heard, I heard a lot of people negative on the weekend. And if you were some sadist who, uh, you know, wanted to watch every single show this weekend, then obviously there was more more bad than good. But there was plenty of good wrestling to be had. We discussed two shows that I enjoyed. Uh, from this weekend and there were more on top of that and so you just got to be choosy and and know what to look out for and uh and yeah no i i thought uh you know it wasn't ideal i i have high hopes for for dallas next year and and la the year after that and uh and hopefully i'll i'll be a, a part of both both weekends so all right i think that's uh good good uh good yeah, I think I think that's good for us here, Dan. I know, uh, you know, as a as a performer, things are very are very uh, 
tough right now. So, you know, just uh, anything that you might that you might that you might have that you might have going on uh, social media. You want to plug, obviously, your uh, great uh, your great your great guitar promos. Really, really enjoyed the one going in going into uh, going into the weekend. But anything that you might that you might have going on that you want people to know or just uh, plug your socials away. Yeah, I, I mean, I, the future is kind of up in the air. I, I have no clue when I'll be wrestling next. Um, you know, by all means, follow me on social media at Daniel Makabe, D-A-N-I-E-L-M-A-K-A-B-E. Uh, that's where you can get me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I do post daily music recommendations. I do try to amplify, um, you know, shows that I that I think are quality or are important or, or being run by people who whose work I appreciate. Uh, and, and I try to amplify, uh, some other voices, you know, when it comes to political or social issues, whenever I can as well. So if those things sound like things that you have no issue following, then follow me on social media. Otherwise, uh, I mean, whenever I'm going to be next in a pro wrestling ring, that's the best way to find out about it. And, uh, and once again, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Uh, it's been a while. I guess we last did it a little over a year ago when we talked for even longer than this somehow about my year in oh, 2019. Oh, God, that was a long fucking show. That was a very long podcast. But, uh, but yeah, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. That's, uh, I believe it was the Wrestling Jennies was the name of the episode. It was us, uh, the three of us, talking about every single match that I had in the year 2019 which was a better idea on paper than it was in practice because I think it was about four and a half hours. But, uh, but if you want to hear like more depth about uh, kind of what goes into, uh, you know, someone on the independent wrestling scene and, and what it takes to uh, kind of have a breakout year and, and get their name out there and travel more than they ever had uh, prior, uh, then maybe that's an interesting lesson for you. So uh, once again, thank you for having me back guys. And, and I love listening to the show and, uh, I, uh, I'm glad you gave me a platform to talk about my experiences and, and maybe talk about shows that were important to me and, and companies that are important to me in action and sup. And, uh, and yeah, it was cool. So thanks again. Obviously any, 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 any time now, got to get you on to do a psychology of that at some point. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll try to, we'll try to, we'll try to figure that try, try to figure that out. Hopefully, uh, Tim, am I going to sign us off here? All right. Uh, well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for thank you all for listening uh, to this week's installment. We probably probably be back next week. Maybe talk maybe talk some DDT. Probably we'll see. We'll see. We'll, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see what has come out. But uh, thank you all for listening, and hope you're next time.